A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is a great disturbance in the force. That's right, Whistler. Welcome to episode 248 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast, your podcast of legends as well as canon, your ticket to that galaxy far, far away. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can also be found on iTunes, Zoom, as well as Stitcher and even Spotify, and right on our own Twitter and Facebook pages at SW Beyond Films. Hey, but enough about how you got here. Let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, the champion of the multiverse, the bipolar Star Wars fan, Mark Herleman. And joining us today, our good friend and gentle being, Dr. Jim Lehane. Oh, do I say hi now? Hi. Yes. Yes. Hey, <laughs> hi. How I'm you doing? Good to have you here to once this. again. Right. <laughs> new to this. We'll get you there. And with us one more time before we power him down for a while, our own gentle beings droid, the EU guru himself, the count of our two continuities, Mr. Nathan P. Butler. And just for old time's sake, one continuity, two continuities. Uh, uh. Hey, everybody. Oh, man. I can't believe we're here, Nate. I, 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 I just, I, I'm so floored. I mean, I mean, we've, we've all seen the writing on the wall, knew this day was going to come. And we know we're going to have you back, but it's still a heavy day on my heart. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like, uh, like Steve Rogers at the end of Endgame, right? Um, you know, I started out this young whippersnapper, all you know, buffed up in my podcasting, and now I'm the old man, and, and everybody's like, "So how you doing? Uh, you want to tell us about how things are going?" No, I don't think I will. <laughs> you know, uh, but but it's good because I have someone here uh, who I trust will do great uh, here alongside you with Jim, uh, and uh, I get to pass along my what vibranium shield, my vibranium disc here. Uh, to Doctor Lehane. See, you're getting, you're you're losing just this teacher guy, and now you're getting a doctor. So there you go. Not a You've medical upgraded. doctor. I don't want people thinking that I that I that I care about people. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That's good. That's good. We 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 fake that when we need to, of course. Sure. Yeah, right, that's exactly right. what it is. Uh huh. Right. We have right. a proper documentation ish. <laughs> Right. All right. So what do we have here, Mark? Here at Star Wars Beyond the Films, we ask the tough questions. Questions that have bothered you for a long time or simple ones that have perplexed you off and on. You ponder about Star Wars and so do we. This episode, we address your questions and ponders. Once more, you are the star. Or Nate is, since this is a swung song episode, as it were, as a host. So with that, here we go on another adventure beyond the films. That's right. So we put out a call for feedback and uh, specifically given the fact that this was my last episode um, as to sort of a, a last chance to provide feedback that I would get a chance to see here on the show. Um, for those who don't know, I explained it all in the last episode, basically just with, 
you know, all the things going on with, you know, adult life and now having a toddler and everything. Um, I say adult life. I'm like 40 now, and I've been podcasting since I started adult life, which is basically right out of college uh, when I was 22 and, and moving down to the Atlanta area to start a teaching career. So I guess podcasting has been kind of my adult post-school life. Um, but uh, just getting to the point where coordinating with other adults like these gentlemen here to actually record has been very difficult. So I've sort of shifted now and decided it's time to retire from regular podcasting. I'm going to continue doing uh, the more solitary stuff that I'm able to actually record or put together just on my own, but we still have a community built around it. Uh, like, for instance, uh, the Star Wars Home Video stuff with that group over on Facebook. So if you are going to look for me in the future, just so you know up front, uh, my YouTube channel is still youtube.com slash chrono radio. I will still be doing from the Star Wars Home Video Library, might be doing some more episodes of the vlog. Uh, that is still the channel to go to. And if you are looking for some audio stuff that I can record just by myself, um, then you can check out my Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Nathan P. Butler. Uh, first tier, which is a dollar tier, basically gets everybody a chance to uh, get a thanks in the little monthly uh, project update episodes that I do, but also a chance while it's still you know in the works um, to get onto the thanks page for the uh, second edition of A Saga on Home Video that I'm currently working on. It's about 500 plus pages now. Should be out later this year or early 2021. Um, the $5 tier, that next tier up, that's the folks who get access to two audio commentaries that I put together every month. Uh, right now we're going through all the episodes of The Clone Wars in chronological order, and we're somewhere around 67-ish commentaries at this point available. And then um, we have the $10 tier, that top tier, folks. And those folks get an exclusive Q&A episode every single month where they get to ask questions nobody else does, and they get access to the video that nobody else gets to see. So uh, kind of a cool way of rewarding those folks who are assisting me. And at the same time, none of that stuff requires necessarily coordinating with other people, so I can actually do it when, you know, every, every great once in a while, like on a Sunday afternoon as of right now, um, someone other than me is watching our son. Um, still no word yet on whether or not there will be a final episode with me for Cloud City Casino or if I'll just maybe do something for a skit at the beginning of whatever the next episode is. Depends on what Michael decides to do um, for the next episode of the show once his time frees up as well. But if you want all the details of the rationale behind it all, that is in our previous episode, the one that was our year in review on comics. I believe it was 247. So which which tier um, do I have to pledge to to get the videos of you crying in a corner as the parent of a toddler? Uh, oh, that's that's Facebook. That's just regular Facebook. Just be someone I know well enough to be able to be on my personal Facebook page. So there you go. So um, what I want to know is, is the YouTube channel, does that still qualify as as a podcaster? I mean, because no. you've got see, such a I've, big record. I've always, I have always, always, always found it frustrating that people call YouTube videos podcasts. That's not what a podcast is. Right. A podcast is an internet radio show type thing. A podcast is supposed to be something that is a downloadable file that you can get through your podcatching software like iTunes or something that is typically audio. Once you go beyond that into video, it's a podcast. And once you go beyond that to something that is streaming only and not downloadable, it's not a podcast or a podcast either because there is no catching software that brings it down. It's all streaming. It's a different beast. Damn it. Mm -hmm. The closest thing, though, I would say is, you know, technically, because I think there is an RSS feed that you can connect to the Patreon, um, I guess technically the audio commentaries are sort of podcasts, but to me... Podcast has always been about discussion. 
It's mm-hmm. always been, I mean, like even when I did Chrono Radio back in 2002 to 2007, I, I, it was the first, one of the first podcasts for Star Wars, one of the first internet radio shows, but also the first one where it was just one host. And I did it almost like a Maddow or a Hannity or an Anderson Cooper where like I drove the, the program and had different segments and would bring in guests to do that. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the thing, unless it was in you know, like an editorial type, uh, almost Dennis Millerish rant or something, most <laughs> of the time. It tended to be, I mean, classic Miller, not current Miller. Um, it tended to be uh, me bringing in guests because the discussion is really what drives it. I almost sort of feel like podcast most of the time in its purest form tends to be more of almost a talk radio type format. Whereas, of course, you have podcast novels, you have podcast released audio dramas and stuff like that. Um but yeah, typically when I think podcast, I think sort of the pure original form. But maybe that's just because I'm an old, um, old timer stick in the mug kind of well, person. Well, yeah. What was that one? Oh God, I can't remember the name of the movie. The the real rock and roll. There's no school like the old school, and I'm the effing headmaster. I mean, I guess I guess in the end we'll just have to have you on once a year so we can keep your record pushing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I liked how you were going. Like that. That's this is a podcast, and you do the video. It's a vodcast. I was waiting for you to keep going to see what what it was called. Eventually, to the fact of kidnapping, where you just hold the host in your house. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, now, now, if you if you do specifically listen to a podcast while you are exercising, I believe that is then called a bodcast. I think. <laughs> I think. And if it's about fishing, it's a podcast. And we're done because the dad jokes are starting. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> this is a feedback episode. So yes, let's uh, jump to the feed. Yeah, let's do it. And this is not the same feedback as when my son turns his baby monitor all the way up when it's really close <laughs> to the microphone and it squeals and he loves it. Not that kind oh, of feedback. These God. are punishments. <laughs> yes, they are. Okay. So uh, first one here comes from Daniel Contreras, one of our longtime listeners, and someone who is very interested, by the way, uh, I have found in the history of Star Wars podcasting, which is something I've always been interested in as well, having been there early on. I want to say it was either Chrono Radio or the But Learniverse, where at one point I actually had an episode that was specifically sort of a, a verbal history of Star Wars podcasting up to that point, which of course you really couldn't do now because it's gotten so huge. So kind of cool to see somebody interested in stuff going that far back. Uh, Daniel says, always in motion is the future. No truer words were spoken by any character in the Star Wars saga, Nathan. Reading your announcement, retiring from podcasting didn't come as a huge surprise. Several times now you've mentioned the real world responsibilities were impacting your ability to record. Still, this announcement definitely tugs at my emotions a bit. Back around 2003 or 2004, I somehow stumbled upon your old Star Wars fan work site, opening up a whole new world of fandom to me. Even though the overall number of shows back then were small, FanWorks provided me with access to hundreds of hours of content, and number one on that list was your own Chrono Radio show. I still remember your over-the-speakerphone interviews with authors, the transition sound effects, and of course, those legendary Nathan Butler rants. <laughs> but most importantly, I remember the opportunities presented to you by Lucasfilm and the opportunities you gave others in the fan audio community promoting and involving yourself in their projects. The Star Wars podcasting community was around long before the word podcast even existed. I don't think we would have had such a rich ecosystem of content today had it not been for your efforts creating, cataloging, and promoting fan audio when it was just getting off the ground. And even though most of the podcasts today probably don't know it, their presence as a force in fandom is testament to your legacy. While it's amazing to see the explosion of Star Wars podcasts over the past 21 years, over 2,000 shows by my count, I'm glad that a few folks from those early years still continue to this day. Danny and Seb from Star Wars On Direct, Arnie and Marjorie from Star Wars Action News, and one or two others. Back when I first discovered Chrono Radio and FanWorks, I was in a pretty bad place in my life, even though I didn't know it. Isolating from others, hardly ever leaving my home. 
I found that podcasts such as yours helped me really connect at a time when I felt particularly alone. I'll never forget that. Who knew back in the mid-2000s that Star Wars would be such a big force in popular culture again? New films, new television shows, even new theme park lands to explore in person. Star Wars is huge again, and with that, so many different sub-fandoms have popped up, most of them present at Celebration. A lot of people go to Celebration to scout for rare collectibles, meet up with fellow costumers, get autographs from their favorite celebrities, or sit in huge auditoriums to catch the latest news from Lucasfilm. But one of my hopes was always to meet some of the podcasters I'd listen to, to thank them in person for the work they do and maybe catch a picture or two together. For me, you were all the folks I was there to meet, not the actors. Over the years, I've been lucky to meet Danny, Seb, Arnie, Marjorie, as well as several of the younger kids in podcasting these days. Wasn't sure if you and I would ever get a chance to meet, but thankfully you attended the 2017 celebration in Orlando. It was awesome to finally meet in person and chat for a bit. The way things go in life, I'm not sure if circumstances will arise for another in-person meetup, but I couldn't pass up the opportunity when Mark asked folks to send in a message. It was the least I could do. So I'll just end with this. Thank you, Nathan, for everything you've done for our community and for making my life just a little bit better. Goodbye, old friend, and may the force be with you. Obi-Wan. Daniel. Man. Oh, Daniel, that hits me in the heart, too, dude. I, I You're the first person I ever ran into that knew of the show um, there at Celebration. Like, I mean, and then we walked in together and, and I, you know, stayed in contact with you. In fact, he's uh, looking at trying to put together a digital stage for podcasters to get together and share the fandom since Celebration has been put on hold. So I think that's pretty cool. The one question that really stands out to me is, you know, who knew back in the mid 2000s that Star Wars would be such a big force in popular culture again? That man, that that is that is the 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 key of my fandom. I remember being a closet Star Wars, Star Trek, Spider Man fan when I was in high school, and then my senior year was when the the uh, the specialized or the uh, special editions came out, and you know we had a drive in theater, and suddenly all the girls in high school were like, what's Star Wars? And it was like, they were actually interested. And I got to talk about Star Wars and it wasn't like, hey, this geek knows it. It was like, hey, the cool kid Mark knows about Star Wars. <laughs> I was like, having a heyday. That was great. And then I started to get back into the books that I had and, and the rest is history. But getting to see you and then getting to bump into other people that listen to the show and stuff was definitely one of my highlighted uh, things in fandom in general. It's definitely something I look forward to getting back to. And it's something that I would love to down the road eventually. And I know it's going to take some serious coordination and some serious cash, but to be able to do uh, a celebration slash uh, Galaxy's Edge trip and be able to do it with Nathan, even Jim, and, and just a bunch of the Star Wars people that I know through this community would be so fun and so awesome because that physical interaction is definitely something that brings you up. And you know how you were talking about, you know, being in a dark place and having the voice of others to lift you up. Sometimes that physical connection does the same thing, but just on a times 10, you know, and I'm missing that right now, especially. Having Nate leave, man. Oh, it's getting me. I'm gonna tap out for a sec. Going to celebration has always been my 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 big thing, or at least uh, I've been to the last four celebrations. I was definitely planning on going this one, and I've actually met both of you guys uh, before I did any podcasting myself um, at the these uh, celebrations. Not the last one, but the Orlando one that you were at, Nate, and uh, the Anaheim one before that that you were at, Mark. Yeah. And so that's why I always. Uh, uh, celebration is mostly for me going and hanging out with my friends. And I was so looking forward to this one because with uh, Galaxy's Edge right there, that would have been so much fun. But um, I guess we're going to got to wait two more years. Uh, and it was great to meet Daniel. I mean, to, to have a chance to meet somebody that you've you've interacted with through the show for so long um, is awesome. And I don't get a chance to really do that 
all that much. There were years there where sort of the beginning of Star Wars fan audio stuff, or at least my role in it and that sort of thing, uh, like in those early days while Chrono Radio was still around, really kind of coalesced around Con Carolinas in Charlotte. So it was, you know, I would be there, Rich Siegfried would be there, um, Ron and Janine would be there. Janine, you may now know as Janine Spendlove, who has written for um, the Star Wars saga at this point, uh, as also a writer doing other things like War of the Seasons and so forth. Um, it, it, those people were there. So it was a chance to sort of get to know each other, um, kind of bounce things off each other. We actually, uh, one of my first, in fact, I think the first in-person author interview I ever did was with Alan Dean Foster. That was the same one where he looked at me like I was insane when I uttered the what's a duck thing that was so famous in fandom at the time. And he had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> um, but that was actually, you know, me, Ron, Janine, and Rich sitting around with Alan Dean Foster in a hotel room. Uh, recording on a video camera that was simply pointed at, I think, Rich's knees or something to get the audio. Um, but that was really kind of the fan audio place initially. Um, I did Dragon Con the year that uh, StarWarsFanWorks.com launched as a home of fan audio. We had a panel where I think it was Michael Smith kind of fought to make sure I could get on the panel with the folks who were also there for Rise of Nobility, um, one of the early Star Wars uh, audio dramas. And sort of help promote the site and the idea of a place for fan audio uh, since we had sort of been ex excised, uh, excommunicated, maybe, um, yeah. out of the fan film community to a degree because it was sort of a, well, you know, as as TFN fan films and fanfilms.com merged and decided where they were going to next, they were going to basically get rid of the idea of sticking with all Star Wars including audio alongside the fan films and just keep the audio stuff that was already there. But eventually no more audio stuff, not even audio dramas when second strike came around, for instance, um, and instead branch out into fan films of other types, because part of it was fanfilms.com before there was ever a TFN star Wars necessarily aspect to it. Um, so we needed a place and that was sort of the year that that launched, but I only went to dragon con a couple of times generally for like a day or for part of a day. It's just a little too heavy. It's just too big for me. Um, so Con Carolinas was always this great place to be, and that was actually where we got a chance to see um, Joe Harrison and, and Andrew and Sarah Gilbertson when they came down. Uh, we got uh, Indiana Jim, Jim Perry coming down there. So that kind of became like the thing. But as time went on, that was less and less of the place to be. It got bigger. It got um, less uh, – I'll say family friendly is not the right word, but the the family that used to run it wasn't in charge of it anymore. So it kind of took on a different feel um, to eventually we just stopped going. Um, so it was awesome to be able to actually get to celebration once. Um, it was rough on us physically, I will say, um, rough on us schedule wise. But it was actually is a really enjoyable experience to be able to you know run into and meet so many people. That's where I met Jim's where I met Daniel. Um and to have a chance to actually talk in person to some of the people that I had worked with previously or that had referenced my work so that I've talked to online previously. I got a chance to actually, you know, talk to Jason Fry years after, you know, in person, years after working on the Atlas with them or get a chance to actually talk to Pablo Hidalgo that I'd had, nice. you know, a lot of conversations with and who um, had just referenced my work in his Essential Reader Companion to actually get that signed. It's still it's still one of the funny moments to me looking back on it when – um, you know, I, I said, you know, and my wife would like you to sign her shirt 
because it was a shirt she was carrying. Like, no, that's in her hands. She's holding. That she's holding. Because his <laughs> eyes got really big. Like he was all of a sudden the rock star about to sign somebody's chest or something, <laughs> which was just an odd, amusing moment. Um, but yeah, celebration was good. I I don't know that we would go back just because of how rough it was on us and the lines and such. But it wasn't. Again, I look back on it, and the fondness isn't for seeing different events. The fondness isn't for exclusive stuff. The fondness isn't for seeing the displays. It's the people we ran into. That's why I still, at some point, I would love to see some type of sort of StarWarsReport.com, you know, massive gathering type thing post-coronavirus, of course, you know, down here in Georgia. Something that I could easily get to, um, but at the same time would let us sort of coalesce around it because a lot of the folks from, you know, that network, from our network, um, mm-hmm. they are all, you know, centered somewhere around this area or at least in like really the American weird South. How that, that, that wasn't intended. Like, I don't know. No, <laughs> like, no. I guess we added more hosts. I'm like, oh, you're in Georgia too? Damn, what is up yep. with that state? <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm not in so, Georgia. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, and it's awesome to hear, you know, and the, the more that Daniel has, has has reached out a few times about um, the history of fan audio, the more it's it's nice to see the idea that that there are at least some out there who are taking that those early days into account and really kind of caring about the history of this medium, because that's not usually something you see folks doing when, you know, the, the next big thing gets all the attention as opposed to looking back on the origins of a particular genre. So. I appreciate that. Thank you, Daniel. And uh, all right. Uh, what's next? Who's next? Next next is from uh, Stephen Schinder. How he writes, uh, Dear Nathan, I'm not sure what new things I can say, but I want to join the community in thanking you for all your hard work on the podcast. As someone who got into writing Star Wars timelines as a kid, I found a kindred spirit in you and have enjoyed your refreshing approach to being intellectually honest. The reviews of various Star Wars media have been great, even when I disagree with you. During college, whenever I wrote essays, it motivated me to think how someone like you might approach it, even imagining some words in your voice, which made it more entertaining to me to read my own words than if I were imagining them in my own voice. I was also able to get less confused reading a comedy of errors for an essay thanks to an audio version you really liked. I know you'll still be around online, but this certainly is an end of an era. Even though I didn't come to Stars Beyond the Films or podcasting in general until 2015, I looked forward to every episode that you guys released. Your presence, Nathan, really served for a unique half of the podcasting pairs dynamic. The show will be a bit different going forward, but I know it's in good hands. And I'm glad that all of this is on your own terms. All the best, Stephen. Hey, he does what I do. He hears the voices in his head when he writes. (laughs) That's good. I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. Um, For me, a lot of times, it's the voice of whoever I listened to most recently on the radio. So a lot of times, it's like the voice of Dan Abrams or uh, Chris Cuomo or Michael Smirconish, because I listen to a whole lot of POTUS, uh, P-O-T-U-S, as in Politics of the United States, uh, on Sirius XM. So that's good. And uh, it's, it's good to hear somebody else took the approach to Shakespeare that I did. I, one thing that a lot of folks don't know is I am a huge nerd for a couple of things when it comes to Shakespeare. One is comic adaptations of uh, Shakespeare plays, whether it's manga or other types. So I love the manga classic stuff. I, it's, it's my go-to way to read them because it's the full original Shakespeare text, which is awesome. Um, but then also, um, I love the audio versions 
of stuff. Now, I've got a whole bunch of video versions of Hamlet, because Hamlet's my favorite Shakespeare play, but I've got this giant box set of Archangel Shakespeare, where basically it's the entire works of William Shakespeare done as audio dramatizations, fully cast audio, um, all the original text, uh, no changes or anything like that, but with the sound effects and the voice acts. It's got people like David Tennant involved in it, you know, the Tenth Doctor. Um, uh, really, really just fantastic stuff, and that is what has helped me to listen to and understand some of the Shakespeare plays that are a little more obtuse because you can get the inflection of how they're saying what they're saying. Even now, if I go back and read Shakespeare's Hamlet, I will hear the voices from either that or Kenneth Branagh's play in my head all the time. Um, I, that's why I really, really dearly wish that they would finally get off their butts and finish the Star Wars Shakespeare stuff as audio. We're about to get the one for episode nine, um, so we'd have one through nine. There hasn't been one for Solo or Rogue One. But for some of them, particularly the original trilogy, there are audio dramatized versions of it that are fantastic to listen to and really get across the the Shakespeare uh, way of speaking and everything else. But they don't have it for all of them. I would love to see them do more of those because those certainly deserve uh, a lot more attention and a lot more accessibility. Oh, God, I just used Dark Horse's word. A lot more accessibility than perhaps they have um, as they are. So that is awesome. I'm glad that uh, uh, in sort of an, an unusual way, uh, I was able to assist. And and I suppose after hearing my voice for 18 years, for a lot of folks, um, they'll be able to hear it in their heads. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. But uh, apparently in this case, it helped. <laughs> yeah, I definitely will miss uh, having your unique perspective, but I'm looking forward to me and Jim getting this on like a couple of old dads, you know, like uh, I have a feeling that the humor level and the blooper reel level is probably going to expand exponentially. <laughs> I, why? Wait, what? I'm <laughs> I, I my my humor does not need to be cut into the blooper reel. It is <laughs> it is prime time humor. Yeah. Uh, I. I just looked at your comment and um, for the audio versions of the, the Shakespeare stuff, that looks like they've only made four of them into actual audio, the, the, the OT and then episode seven. Yeah. Which is crap. Come on. But don't tell me that the people behind the audio stuff were butthurt over last Jedi too. And that's where they stopped. Come on. But, just tell but me they that it's skipped, taking them more time. They skipped the prequels like completely. Yes. Because they the did. prequels had the prequels Shakespeare stuff that come out even before episode seven, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I just and, I just um, wonder if maybe it was a timing thing of the time needed for production. I imagine there was a lot of ramp up. I, I, I wonder if they actually realized how successful the first one was going to be and they were like, oh crap, to keep pushing. And he's done more. Um, his name, uh, Ian Desher is his name. His name was escaping me for a second. He's actually done. Um, I think it's called Get Thee Back to the Future or something like that. He's got some really interesting ones out. There's like a, was it Mean Girls, I think, that he did as Shakespeare. It's weird, but cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up. All right. The next uh, letter is from Eric Marshall. And he writes, I'm a longtime listener, but have not done much feedback before. However, I want to start off by saying thank you to Nathan and Mark for all these years of entertainment. You two with this podcast helped me get through some dark periods in my life. With you leaving the show, I feel I need to let you know that you both have helped at least one person out there. So I apologize in advance for probably bringing the mood down. Two years ago, to the day that I'm writing this actually, me and my wife got some of the worst news I've ever gotten. We learned that she had a miscarriage and to be completely honest, still not the same. 
Anyway, the only place that kept me going was this podcast, listening to old episodes, new, without you, I don't know if I would have had the energy to keep going. I'm sorry for putting a downer on things, but I really want you to know that I appreciate the time and energy you have put into this show. I sincerely hope that Nathan enjoys his retirement from podcasting and will miss his insights. So to you, Nathan, thank you very much and enjoy your time with your son. I feel bad that I have yet had an opportunity to listen to the latest episode and learn the name of the new host. It's Jim. But I look forward to listening to him and Mark for a long time yet to come. I know I've said it many times before in this email, but thank you to all three of you and may the force be with you. Eric Marshall. I apologize <laughs> if I mangled any of that. <laughs> I like the uh, it's Jim. That was that was great. You got it uh, Eric, right. We're on a good roll. Yeah. Don't don't worry about bringing down the show, man. I'm I'm pretty sure everybody can hear it in my voice. I'm over here emotionally uh, just uh, wallowing in my grief, trying to put a smile on things. Uh, you know, the, the chunk of what you had to say there really does hit home for me because, you know, my wife also had a miscarriage. And, you know, you said to be completely honest, she's still not the same for your wife. Um, you know, my wife was in such a place. I mean, we had a plan, right? Like my wife wanted to have the first two 18 months apart. And then when the youngest of those two was, uh, three, we were going to have the third, uh, we were going to go for five kids, right? It had this whole plan. Well, then we lost Ben. And when we lost Ben, it was in our house. Like, um, my wife ended up losing him and I had to pull him out of the toilet. Like it was, it was a very traumatic thing. And then you had to go through all these steps because we wanted to find out what had happened. The doctors were like, you need to, you know, preserve his body, do all this stuff that I had to do because she was in a really hard place. And, uh, in the end it was for nothing. Like they, his body had deteriorated so fast. They couldn't tell us what exactly had happened. And that had put her into a spiral for a very long time that it put me into a place where I was like, you know, we had come into this together as a plan. We, you know, we wanted to have a big family, but you know, I mean, hearing that for you and, and knowing that I was able to be a part in helping you get through that means a lot to me because I know when I was in that place, I had few people that I could talk to. And one of my solaces was getting to talk to Nathan on the show and escape from the realities of what was going on with my life. Uh, I had star Wars books. And when my wife went in that deep, dark place, she discovered female porn. I mean, romance books. Um, and in fact, I was able to get her to read some of my star Wars books because she wanted to do an exchange where I read one of her books for one of my books kind of thing. And that's when I discovered that that is lady porn. I don't care what any wife is going to tell you. Um, that's some dirty, dirty, dark stuff. It was okay. But I got her to read Invincible, which I made a mistake there. I shouldn't have uh, let her into the expanded universe with her favorite character being killed. That was a bad, bad mistake on my part. And I'll never be able to make up for that. But uh, I appreciate, though, being able to do something good for you in that dark time. And uh, I, too, look forward to more episodes with jim and and seeing where jim and i go with this show because you know i do lean on nathan a lot like in fact if, if you've been listening to a lot of the feedback episodes usually nathan reads most of the email because i get tongue-tied quite a bit sometimes and uh i'm i'm excited i'm just excited because this is a new chapter and at the same time i'm, I'm bringing the room down because i'm also sad that my buddy's gonna be leaving the show <laughs> yeah so i mean i, I kind of feel the same way in a, in a lot of ways sort of you know, we don't realize that we do good for others until someone says something. And then you're almost taken aback and kind of humbled at the idea that this little thing that we do just kind of for fun, this has been helpful to people. I think it's kind of the same thing with, you know, anything like uh, people, you know, like I had a student's parent a couple of years ago be like, oh, my God, can you sign my copy of Star Wars Tales? 
And it's just those moments where you're it, – it, it's odd because to me, to you, to, to, to us, um, I mean, we're just us, you know? Like, you know, I'm just me. Like, I know who I am throughout the entire day, not just when I sit down to record. I'm not all that excited about me, <laughs> right? Um, but th- that we become sort of a part of others' experiences – uh, it, in a, it, you don't realize, I guess, you know, the way that people look at you. Like, I don't, I don't realize unless somebody brings it up. Like the way that I sort of look with respect, for instance, to someone like a, a, I don't know, a Chris Cuomo lately. Um, it's not the kind of thing that I would expect people to look, look at us for, or to look to anything we've done as a form of solace, only to realize that, yeah, everybody sort of takes from this what they need. Everybody sort of takes from this what they perceive, and it's always great to hear. But it's never something you set out to do. You know, you always you always wonder what impact you're going to have, and you hope that maybe you'll be mildly entertaining to people. Um, but to find that there is broader impact is always um, always a good thing. And and this process that um, it was before beyond the films. I want to say this was around. Um, Trying to think of what podcast I would have been doing at the time. It was post Chrono Radio, so it may have been when But Learniverse was the main thing, or I may have jumped in with Andrew Loopy for EU Review by this point. I can't recall off the top of my head. Um, but Star Wars fandom and the podcasting and whatnot um, helped me when I was having to sort of be the rock when Jody was going through cancer. Um, we hadn't gotten engaged yet at that point, uh, certainly well before we gotten married. But early on when we were dating, she had. Um, uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, the other L, right? I, I, the L, leukemia pops into my head, but the other L, um, lymphoma, and beat it eventually. But it was rough um, for a while there. And and just having, you know, trying to do whatever I could to be strong for her meant that a lot of times I was then needing something to help bolster me when she wasn't there because at that time we weren't living together or anything like that. Um, so a lot of times it was a Star Wars fandom and being able to engage in the community that helped boost my spirits at the same time that, you know, work was burning me out and trying to be there for her um, was was always trying to lift her up, even if it was at the expense of, you know, kind of me not really expressing my concern and my fears over everything. Um, the, the fandom has more power a lot of times, I think, than we than we realize, which is, I think, mm-hmm. why it is so devastating, destructive and emotionally draining, hurtful and uh, confusing, I guess, um, to see where fandom has gone over the last few years, to see the divisions within fandom, to see fandom sniping at each other, to see fandom get sucked into the same black hole as just about anything else in society, in, in social media, gotcha culture, in polarization, um, in my way or the highway type stuff, where a lot of the intellectual honesty is gone, but a lot of the camaraderie at least in the broad sense, it's gone. You have your small communities where there's a lot of camaraderie, like the Star Wars home video collecting community, and amongst friends within the podcasting community, for instance. Um, But by and large, the sense, unless you're at Celebration, the sense that I'm a Star Wars fan, you're a Star Wars fan, we are part of the same family, which I think was one of the messages I left Chrono Radio on in uh, back in, what, 2007. Uh, The idea that, that, you know, if you're listening to this, you are a Star Wars fan. In a way, that makes us family. Um, part of the same thing. That feeling isn't there as much anymore. 
partly because Star Wars is so big now, it has exploded again in pop culture. So it's a lot broader appeal rather than just fandom. It's sort of fandom plus a whole lot of, of sort of other levels of fandom on top of it. But definitely, you know, you don't get that sense of community as much right now. Or if you do, it's a community that has been fractured and within your sub community are little circles we find solace and we find support and we find things that we care about, but we see what's happening in the broader culture uh, and the broader fandom. And it's heartbreaking because this is such an important part of the the interaction is such an important part of being fans and fandom and what we enjoy and escapism from everything else that sucks that to have that seep into the fandom has been really disheartening. Um, but thankfully, we found those bright spots and hopefully try to be one of those bright spots to keep people to give people kind of the lighthouse to be drawn to um, to hopefully stay positive, uh, even when all the stuff swirling around may be more like, you know, a storm. Oh, OK, next one, I guess. Uh, the next email comes from Adam Taylor, who says, Mark and Nathan. Firstly, and most importantly, thank you. And with great sadness, I say farewell to Nathan, a true original. I look forward to seeing you on YouTube. Mark, I'll continue to enjoy your infectious enjoyment of our beloved Star Wars, especially your continued support for the EU. I guess with the so-called Skywalker saga ending, I can say I've done a 180 in my stance and view on Star Wars as an ongoing story. In 2012, Dark Horse's leash had been tightened for a while. Its latest Star Wars line, a troublesome title in itself, they'd ran out of ideas. I enjoyed the novels, but I think they too had taken the Skywalkers as far as they could. We were kind of treading water, waiting for the next Legacy or New Jedi Order. Then came the announcement, and I was pumped. New eras, new ideas, new trilogy. I was sad, and I fully embraced my pain for the loss of the EU, but I was excited and ready to push forward, often trying to calm other EU fans and tell them that this was positive. Roll on eight years. We have a disconnected trilogy, a fan base on fire, 300 comics with little to no world building, entire eras off limits. A story group committee more concerned with focus groups than story. The Mandalorian is the only thing that's really got the soul of Star Wars, and it's being created by students of great filmmaking. Question is, do you think now is the best time to launch an alternate timeline to continue the EU? I think by making everything canon, they have in fact tied their own hands together and actually shrunk the universe further rather than grow it as they intended. Anyway, I always seem to rant and get sad when I email you guys. Like Nate said last time I wrote in, Give that cow an enema. Pretty sure it was, this town needs an enema, but I get the point. Uh, it's the, the line from Batman. But I'm honestly still a fan, and having Star Wars Beyond the Films helps that a hundredfold. I'm equally happy that it can continue as I'm sad that Nate is retiring. Cheers to many more years of Star Wars Beyond the Films, Adam J. Taylor. You know, what did that cow do to you? <laughs> right? I thought it was, was, this town needs an enema, which was um, Jack Nicholson's Joker in the 89 Batman that's how the game telephone works, though, is it, you add a different word to it until it becomes something priceless. <laughs> maybe, it, maybe it was a cow that was kind of like the sheep or whatever it was in Doom Patrol, and you had characters <laughs> stuck in it. Or You know what? Never mind. That's a whole other thing, a whole other show. <laughs> oh, man. You know, what, what strikes me is the, the roll on eight years and how you drop it. I mean, that pretty much is how, how we've been looking at it. The disconnected trilogy, the fan base is definitely on fire. But the 300 comics and books and stuff with little world building and a story group committee concerned on focus group. Yeah, 
Mandalorian is definitely one of the shining peers of of hope and, and stuff. And I think anything Dave Filoni touches for me is one of those as well. I really enjoyed Rebels. I think Rebels for me is the pinnacle of my EU of the new canon. You know, I mean, the, everything that's came out of that show, I absolutely love. Um, even World Between Worlds, which is really weird of an episode, but I enjoy that. Um, but when is the best time to watch that alternate timeline that we call legends? Well, I always had said after episode nine was over would be a good time. I, I truly think that after they've made the division and everything, the fact that we have people calling the books and the comics for the Disney Canon and expanded universe right now. And you know, it, it, it causes people to get into arguments and explanation, you know, threads and debates and all this. But the fact that we have that, and the fact that you are still selling Legends books right next to the other ones, I think that the reasons that they have created for themselves to look the other direction is all just BS. I, I think that they need to have somebody, and I think for me, part of the hurt comes from is I would have always assumed that Leland Chi and Pablo Hidalgo would be the champions to keep the EU going in some form or fashion. And I feel like they have just turned their back, and that, that hurts because I always felt that those two really got it. And then to see what's going on with the story group and the lack of that kind of it's like, why aren't they trusting those two to do what they do best? And I just don't understand that. But I, I truly think that now would be a great time to do a return. There are a lot of stories that haven't been finished and they can market it in that, you know, putting legends to rest kind of, you know, angle. Um, but the other upside of it is you do have fans out there that are really disgruntled because they felt left behind. And this would be a way to tell them, Hey, you haven't been forgotten. We're sorry. We'll put you on the back burner, but you know, we're coming back around to give you your star Wars too. Um, and I was with you in the aspect of looking forward to all this potential. And then as it went on, it's just been missed opportunity after missed opportunity. And so when you start to think about how they tied their own hands together, I am in that boat with you where it does kind of feel like they have started to tie their hands together. I see a lot of hope though, with the Mandalorian with John Favreau coming in Favreau is somebody that plays in a lot of sandboxes. So he is really good at getting in there and building some, some awesome structures with the sand that's there. And he is not above looking for inspiration in other sandboxes as well as his own sandbox. And the fact that we're already seeing him, you know, lean really heavy on stuff that Filoni brought in and people are like, Oh man, that's Filoni pushing his stuff. Now Favreau is brilliant and he is going to utilize every element that he can to tie this universe together, just like they do with the Marvel universe and other stuff. So I think that that's a really cool, interesting way to go. Um, and, and I'm with you in, with the EU kind of, you know, winding down, they were having a hard time doing things. So when I look at it now, it's like, it's, it's interesting because of the, the, alternate versions of what happened i mean you look at legends you know the, the skywalker fam family goes on but all the kids on the solo line end up dying out and now you have the opposite the solo lines died out the skywalkers have died out Chewie's alive though even though he was dead the other it's just it's odd the, the directions they went with and it almost in some ways feels like they decided to pull a last jedi with luke for the entire saga characters so well, let's not go any way that they might expect let's do something completely crazy let's just kill them all off right away which i mean it's kind of refreshing but i i was always looking for them to kill off han luke and leia and legends and they never did so to see him do it in canon was was something that was like okay i was open for that but the way it went down i'm just like i don't know if that's what i liked um i definitely felt like you know, the, the sequel trilogy itself for the new characters works really well. But for a saga film, 
it does feel disconnected, like you said. So that's definitely one of those things where it's interesting. And and to be one of those people that put enthusiasm on things, that was a really hard pill for me to swallow when I finally got to the ninth film. And I was just like, I have to go home now and do some soul searching. Did I really enjoy this or am I just caught up in the moment? Because I always think about Nathan when he come back from episode two and he recorded his episode about how great that movie was. <laughs> so I don't want to put myself in that boat, but I do a lot because that's sometimes part of the fun of the fandom is just those mo- immediate reactions where you're just like high on the emotion of and you don't really think too deeply on things. And then you go home and you look back on it. And you're like, ooh, what the hell was I thinking? How did I miss that? I don't even know. And that's part of the fun. <laughs> so I, going back um, t- to the letter and uh, talking about how he was excited about the new, the, the, I'm assuming he means the, the Disney announcement and then eventually the, uh, the, the new Canon announcement. And when Disney first bought the, um, the franchise or came into the franchise, um, I was actually rather like upset about it. I was not happy about new movies. I was not happy about this whole thing because as we've seen the, um, they have a tendency to, to run rubshot over all of stuff that came before it. Um, like with the clone wars cartoon series, kind of, uh, doing what it wants, regardless of what was there beforehand. But when they announced that they're basically putting everything aside and making a new canon, I, that's what got me excited. Because right? finally we have this new movie series, don't know what's coming, all these story potential, um, we have no idea what we have in the future, and little do we know what we actually had in the future. Uh, we, uh, I, I was really looking forward to this, and it's been a lot of hit or miss. I say... Generally, with the EU before all of this, there was a lot of hit and miss. Also, there was uh, there were some great stories, some of my favorites in Star Wars, and there are some that I literally almost quit reading Star Wars. Um, they were so bad. And uh, the glove of Darth Vader, I'm looking at you. Um, literally, it's right over there on the shelf. And uh, <laughs> I, I I read that and I almost stopped. And I'm like. I, I had come, fell down the well and I thought it, the Star Wars was so terrible um, after that story. And uh, re- reading other stories is what I realized that it was just that one story that was just that bad. Um, but there are some really, truly atrocious stories in the EU and there's some great ones. And I feel like what you guys have said in before podcast that uh, the new canon has kind of... Um, muddied the waters and that it's a, a more of an equilibrium there's not as great greats and there's not as bad bads it's kind of more in the middle and that has its benefits and it has its downsides that we don't have as many great stories but we don't have as many terrible stories and i i the the, the really good ones have a tendency to stick out like lost stars really stuck out master apprentice to me really stuck out and um it's those that I kind of look forward to through this new new canon. But I wouldn't mind them going back to the EU. Uh, they tried it with um, the Marvel 108. And mm-hmm. as that was entirely an advertisement, I believe, for the Bounty Hunters uh, comic series, um, it didn't work as well as I think they were hoping it would. And I think that if they were to try it again, that it may work a little better if now with a little trial and error. But we don't know what they're doing. And as to the story group on your uh, your comments on the story group, I think the story group is a group that we really do not understand what they are supposed to be doing. They have never (laughs) told us what they do. 
And I think we have misunderstood what it is that we think they do. And that's not actually what they're doing. I don't know what they're right, doing. Right. Um, but I think that um, they haven't let us know what they're supposed to be doing. Keep it vague. Don't tell the fan base what's going on. They will keep us to a list of checks and balances. Keep it vague, as vague as possible. <laughs> we saw what happened as soon as they let us know about the, the canon structure of, you know, GTCSN. All of a sudden, we were harping on it constantly. Um, so I guess I could sort of see that, but no, not really. Um, yeah, when the announcement came, I remember I did an episode of my vlog, uh, The Voice of Reason or Lack Thereof, over on YouTube, and I, I had to kind of, I felt like I had to calm people down, which is sort of was a reboot inevitable. Well, okay, they were, Disney purchased Lucasfilm, they now own Star Wars, they could make new films or not, and the idea of not making any new films didn't seem like it was ever a possibility. Of course they were going to, that's the heart of Star Wars, and that's the cash cow. Um, the question then was, okay, if they're going to make new movies, are they going <laughs> to then constrain themselves to somehow be able to do this um, as a tie-in to what came before or adapt what came before? Are they going to do a partial reboot only for the eras that were needed for certain films? But then what if you do other films earlier? Um, and then the idea of you know the need for a regular reboot and sort of the idea that at least a regular reboot left the previous existing continuity it you know, intact on its own as an alternate universe rather than just tearing it to shreds the way that the Clone Wars television series came in and tore up the micro series and the Dark Horse and the um, LucasArts, et cetera, et cetera, stuff that was originally in that era. So, you know, I was excited for possibilities. I remember thinking it might be a good stopping point for the Star Wars timeline gold, but I decided to keep doing it, not because I was disgusted at the idea, as some people suggested, and, and that was actually part of why I kept it going. Because there were people out there who were so anti, you know, reboot, anti-Disney, that I felt as though I wasn't, I would be lending my credence, my voice to that cacophony of people who I did not agree with. Because any Star Wars for me is fun. Two continuities is fine for me. Uh, two major continuities and a bunch of smaller ones, fine for me. Uh, I can enjoy whatever. Anybody can choose what they're going to enjoy. But I would be adding my voice to those people who hated the idea if I stopped the timeline at that time and made that the reason why. So, um, you know, kind of kept going with it. I do find that the whole idea of the, the, the last few years have put the lie to the it's all canon. No, it's not. No, it's not. Or, or it's all equal. No, it's not. You've seen the different, you know, different levels already existing when it comes to things like contradictions and stuff being kicked out because then a film contradicted it and stuff like that. Of course, the films take precedence over other stuff. The TV shows often take precedence over other stuff. Of course, it's a tiered structure, even if you don't want to call it that. Stop blowing smoke up our collective colons. Um, I agree with Mark in that I am a little bit concerned, and it just kind of struck me as odd, that Leland Chi and Pablo Hidalgo haven't been, that we know of at least, championing the idea of a continuation of Legends in some form. Um, I think now is a great time to do it because you have the end of the sequel trilogy and you don't have more Star Wars films coming out for a few years. So you don't have to have a flood of tie-in material to help promote those things, sucking up all the space in your publishing line. Um, but I'm not sure that we see it happening. Uh, those two don't seem to be out there as much. But at the same time, they also have experienced so much with fandom on social media that I have no you know, no uh, uh, animosity toward them for not being out there as much because I can totally get it. They were on Twitter. Twitter! It's right. like Thunderdome for chiclet brains as uh, 
Dennis Miller once called something. I don't know. Um, Still like, you ran Pablo off of Twitter. No, Pablo went into the shell and just cut everybody off. He's still on Twitter. We just don't get access to him. Thank you, trolls. But it, it, it strikes me, though, you know, when it comes to the creation of the stories, it's this weird dichotomy. Um, you have the fact that there seems to be no plan. There is no plan. There is no, you know, this is what we're going to do with this trilogy. Heck no. It's let each filmmaker, as they come in and do uh, an episode of a, a, uh, a trilogy, kind of do their own thing. And then we'll adapt as it goes and stuff like that. Give them the creative freedom. So there is no real plan. And yet what you would expect the planning to come from would be some type of group, like, say, a story group or something else. And all the other stuff that's out there really heavily feels like it is storytelling by committee. In a lot of ways, it feels like it's what is the safest way we can tell these stories, sell some comics, sell some books, et cetera, et cetera, without really doing anything, without really doing any momentous events or upsetting the cart, because really, we got to leave the space clear for television series and for movies. Um so for something that has no plan, it certainly feels like it is a committee. And what is Star Wars, if nothing else, but anti-committee? I am not a committee! And so on. Um, <laughs> I will say that I agree, though, that Dave Filoni and now John Favreau, they are the heart of this now. They are the ones keeping what feels like Star Wars and the joy of Star Wars alive. If you sit down after watching Mandalorian, you can sort of get that watching the last episodes of Clone Wars or watching Rebels, you sort of get that. But sit down and watch the Disney gallery stuff on Disney+, Plus, the behind-the-scenes stuff of Mandalorian. It is infectious, their enthusiasm and their joy for this stuff. And to see even moments where Dave Filoni sits back and is like, dang, Jon Favreau, you went down a rabbit hole there. Even I <laughs> wouldn't have gone there. You're a nerd. Um, to have those types of moments is great. And you can see the insights that Filoni took from Lucas in crafting things when he talks about you know certain aspects of things like the duel with Darth Maul and so on. It's it's a really well done thing. And you can see it when the magic isn't there, right? Mandalorian got Filoni. Resistance didn't. And you look at Rebels and Clone Wars, and for all the crap that Clone Wars, you know, put out kind of some of the early meh stuff, that became an incredibly well done series by the time it was over. And Filoni really learned a lot and really did some great storytelling with that that he then took into Rebels. But then you look at Resistance, which he only helped sort of come up with some of the initial ideas for. And then he was off to Mandalorian. And Resistance lacks that heart entirely. It lacks that sense of fun, the reverence for the material, and just the sense that this is Star Wars by someone who freaking gets it. Filoni is the one who's going to be carrying this forward, and thank goodness Favreau is there. In essence, Filoni was, in essence, sort of Lucas's apprentice who has now become the master, and now here's Favreau bringing in his own experiences into I mean, hearing the stuff that they came up with to do Mandalorian, it feels like you're listening to Lucas in like the 70s and 80s about, you know, we're going to do this to, to upgrade the special effects here. We're going to do this with the prequels, and here's what we can do with CGI that nobody's done before. And you got Favreau talking about basically using the computer system that essentially allows you to shoot movies in like VR, more or less, um, as your way of controlling the camera in these environments and things with the volume. It's amazing stuff to see, and the enthusiasm is there. They're the ones who are at the heart of this and are going to have to have the spirit to keep this going when the rest of it doesn't feel like it really is. And I don't know, with them, 
being sort of at the heart of this, if we would see legends emerge again, that would have to be coming from someplace else because that's never really been, as, as much as they're fans of it, that's not been where Filoni has played. He's tended to play right, within right. canon. Even when he was playing in the Clone Wars before the reboot, that was still T-canon superseding other stuff and kind of doing its own thing. So you'd almost need like like two hearts of it. I don't know where the other heart comes from to get the legend stuff back again. Um, but I'll admit, the enthusiasm thing is huge. Mark's enthusiasm for this has always been something somewhat infectious that has sort of kept me interested and kept me fired up. Aww. As opposed to the times when I was reading stuff, mainly because I wanted to make sure that I could get it summarized onto the Star Wars timeline gold. Since the timeline ended, like, what, two years ago now, I guess, just about, um, I have fallen behind on my Star Wars book reading. My Star Wars comic reading is keeping up. But the books I don't have the enthusiasm for. I still need to get through Pirate's Price, I think it is, and I need to get through Queen's whatever the newest one is. Um, I, I don't Carol. even care enough to remember the name. Um, and then the newest Alphabet Squadron that hopefully won't be, speaking of Alphabet, an F like the first one. <laughs> um, my enthusiasm I find audiobooks are the uh, the easiest, the, the only ways that I can get through a lot of these books I, just because I don't I have just, the time. Like, like, right. like I'm drawing into, like I'm reading the Witcher stuff right now. And I'm, in, I'm actually interested in reading, there's a book um, that I'm interested in, I forget what it's called off the top of my head, I've got it on my wish list, that's like um, the psychology behind hostage negotiation, because I've been playing the hostage negotiator uh, solo solitaire board game constantly. Um, there's all this other stuff I want to read, and I'm like, I need to keep up with Star Wars, I want to keep up with Star Wars, but the enthusiasm isn't there. And I think part of that has been the fact that we haven't been, you know, recording as often, but also just they need to be able to put stuff out there that has the fire and the passion and the enjoyment and the sheer fun that Filoni and Favreau are bringing to the table. And it's not happening with most of what we're seeing in the publishing line. So is this a good time to bring back the EU, bring back Legends? Absolutely. Will they do it? I don't know, because I think it would take a heart and an energy to make that happen that currently isn't found within this publishing by committee thing. Unless they create a whole new group specifically coming in to relaunch Legends, and it's people like Abel Pena. It's people like Dan Wallace. It's the people who know this stuff inside and out and love it mm -hmm. and can get rolling with it again. Heck, bring back uh, John Ostrander and Jan Dersima, and you let them do something like they did with Dawn of the Jedi or like they did with Legacy. They yeah. just launched a comic that's in digital form now, that's going to be in physical form soon, that I actually appear in, me and Cade appear in as background characters, called Hex yeah. or Dusk. They've created a whole new universe that is awesome. Let Ostrander and Dursima come in and run wild. But bring in people who aren't these people right now who are doing this barely matters type of storytelling. There are a few exceptions, of course. But John bring, Jackson Miller I'd bring back in a heartbeat. Yeah, bring back John Jackson. Bring in some people who could make that work. I think the time Stack is right pull. for it, but you've yeah. got to have the right people. If you don't have the right people, it's not going to feel like the old stories. It's not going to have the passion that the old stories had because you could tell that some of those authors, not all of them, but some of the authors back in the day really got it and enjoyed the breadth and scope of the legends level of storytelling and this giant universe that had been built over the course of decades. But yep. you got to have the right people. So Stover, Denning, 
Miller. I mean, yeah, we just put a post on the fa- our Facebook page where I was, you know, contemplating that. Like, how cool would it be to see a revival of Legends with certain authors just writing, you know, fanfic that was meant to tie to that, you know? And then a lot of people are like, well, can they do that? And then we see uh, Charles Scholl did that today with a Ben Solo story. It's a non-canon Ben Solo story that he just put out. They're just, and I'm like, why, why can't we have that with Legends? Oh. Alright, let's keep rolling. I just ranted for a while. I think we all kind of had a chance to rant for a while there, so now we got that out of our system. Alright. Uh, next up here. Oh, cool. And these are some from, from some uh, gents that I've known for quite a while. Mm-hmm. We're going way back with Star Wars on Direct Podcast. This is from Danny and Sebastian. Nathan, what you have achieved is spectacular, but milestones aside, there are qualities that best describe the man behind the microphone. Your leadership early on in the with Star Wars FanWorks helped us, audio creators, combine our forces and have a voice in fandom at a time where social media wasn't available. Your dedication to Star Wars and to storytelling, along with your vast knowledge of the universe, has always made you a pillar in Star Wars podcasting. You always had a no-nonsense approach to things. You were honest with your comments, and you were an advocate for transparency and accountability. That is a standard that will not be easily matched. Many can say that they are Star Wars podcasters, but few can say they started it. Even for pioneers like us, that's Star Wars on Direct, you were an inspiration. And you are now an inspiration to all who will follow in your path. Best of luck to you in other projects. May the Force be with you always, Danny and Sebastian. Well, I appreciate that, guys. These guys, I mean, these were these were the, what, second generation, depending on how you look at it. I mean... I think back to me. I mean, it feels like forever ago that I started Chrono Radio, right? I mean, God, I was right out of college. I was a snot-nosed punk who thought he knew everything. Um, Then I realized the snot was allergies, but I still thought I knew everything. Um, And these guys, you know, I was directly inspired by Digital Llama Radio, and I don't know who they were inspired by. That was the team of Chris Hannell, Justin Whitlock, Abe Paterka, Steve Phelan, eventually uh, Becca Paterka. I don't know who they were inspired by, but I was inspired by them. Star Wars on Direct was a team that, and is a team, that was inspired specifically by Jedi Talk, the literal original Star Wars internet radio show, the original what we would call now a Star Wars podcast, depending on your definition. Um, They did streaming shows and then released them by real media, of all things. Uh, It doesn't even exist anymore, I don't think. And directly leaping off from them was... Star Wars on Direct, initially in French, eventually with both French and English shows, which is a crazy workload. Um, And I had the great uh, pleasure to be able to uh, interact with them when they were doing their live shows for a while. I've actually met both of them now, thanks to Celebration. And Seb is actually one of the few people in the Star Wars fan audio community who has actually been in my house. Because just recently, uh, when I was unloading a bunch of those books, he came and picked some of them up when he was on his way back and forth on a a trip very few people from the fan audience michael has been here like maybe once or twice you know <laughs> michael lives nearby not in canada <laughs> um so yeah it's 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 cool to hear that i just you know th- this was this early tight-knit community you know it was um star wars on direct guys by by the time that the community really started forming around fan works the jedi talk guys had retired so it was basically um, after a few years. So it's basically like Danny and Sebastian and the team from Star Wars on Direct. 
and then it was me, and then it was Rich Sigfrit and the team from Requiem of the Outcast, and then eventually Robbie Chastain with um, Star Wars and Beyond, and so on and so on, as it just kind of grew and grew and grew. Um, but just that core is still around within fandom um, in many cases, either listening to podcasts or being part of producing them. Um, and I think one of the more influential groups has has been over time has been Star Wars on Direct. The people who basically saw the legacy that Jedi Talk was building and were willing to jump directly off from it as I believe, because I think they came even before the German Star Wars, the Cantina. Um, I think they literally were the the first to say, you know what, what Jedi Talk is doing is awesome. Let's bring this to another audience um, that sort of was at that ground floor. If not for them, who knows if we would have seen a buildup until podcasting became more of a thing um, to see that kind of buildup, you know, uh, would there have been a digital llama radio? Maybe. Would there have been a chrono radio? Maybe. We don't know though, because the legacy, uh, the spark, so to speak of Jedi talk uh, as it was going out was picked up um, by these guys and really sort of rekindled in that sense, which was um, a very important piece of our, evolution of this genre here so um, thank you guys i really appreciate it um it was great working with you in the past and uh, hopefully you know if there's anything i can do in the future let me know i don't know what good i shall be but <laughs> but of course they always know where to find me mm-hmm. and next we have all right uh next letter we have is from ennis he says, hey, everyone. First, I want to thank Nathan and Mark for all their work on the podcast. I started listening around 2012 or so, and your intellectually stimulating conversations have pushed and expanded my fandom. It's been really cool seeing your ideas and conversations develop over time, and your contributions have definitely had an impact on the wider community. Intellectual honesty, the Stover effect, bring back legends, etc. I'm really glad that you guys persisted with the podcast for so long, despite life and circumstances getting in the way, especially towards the end. It's really sad to see Nathan step down as host, but I'm excited by Jim, me too, joining the show. And I look forward to equally in, in, interesting and engaging discussions in the future. As for The Rise of Skywalker, I had mixed feelings about this movie. In the theater, I got stuck on a few plot points that tainted my level of immersion. However, overall, it was a fun and wild romp of a movie. It was action-packed and exciting, with so much to unpack and think through. The final battle was epic and grand, but slightly traditional, with a ragtag rebel force taking on the mighty Empire-like army. I can forgive that given that the setup was different, and the points driving the plot were unique. The transmitter, death cannons, and the Emperor's forced lightning rod move. Over a few rewatches, I've grown to accept the plot issues that I had problems with, and I appreciate the new directions J.J. Abrams took us after the unconventional The Last Jedi, which I agree with Nathan, forced J.J. to take the third film in a radically different direction. It was going to be extremely difficult to please everyone, especially those that disliked The Last Jedi, and create a cohesive narrative that tied all the elements of the sequel trilogy without creating a really long and boring film. However, J.J. Abrams did a decent job, and he gave us a fun, engaging movie that answered most of the important questions like Ray's parents and Snoke's origin, while giving our characters satisfying conclusions, such as Ben's redemption, Kiss notwithstanding. Mark, I know that you didn't really enjoy the... Uh, I hate just the, 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 the abbreviations Trust. of these movies are all the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's like wait revenge of the sith no different order um 
Sorry. I know that you didn't really enjoy The Rise of Skywalker as much the first time, so I'm curious if your perspective has changed at all since the film landed on Disney+. Plus. Also, Nathan, I'd love to hear how your views on Tross have changed since rewatching the film, or if you haven't rewatched the film as much. Jim, I have no idea how you reacted to Tross, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on the film as well. Thanks for everything, guys, and I hope to continue to hear your discussions in the future. May the Force be with you. Ennis. I've definitely come a long way around with that movie for sure. Um, I, I think a big chunk of my overall enjoyment moving forward is going to be if they move forward past this story. I would love to see Ray reestablish the Jedi, even if they only do it in books and comics. But if we don't get any more Ray or Finn or Poe stories, you know, and I mean new as in, in the timeline going forward, I'm sure they'll probably give us some backfill episodes and comics and things of that nature. But if they don't move forward with those characters, I feel like it was a complete missed opportunity all the way around because for me, they're what I care about. I, I do 100% feel like Luke, Han, and Leia, they dropped the ball on that so hard that that will be one of the aspects of the Disney canon story that I absolutely did not enjoy and do not like. Uh, but that said, I did enjoy the trilogy. Uh, I did enjoy Ray's story. I did enjoy Ben's story. Um, and Poe and Finn, their little bromance was, was a blast. I got a kick out of all that. Um, you know, I definitely got pulled in and drawn in, in that regard. So, you know, I still go back and forth though. When people ask me about it, I, it's, it's nice because it does give me an opportunity to continue to point out legends as an alternate universe. Like there's another universe out there where Luke does become a grandmaster of a big order of Jedi, has a wife, has a son, has a big family with his sister and her kids, trains, you know, his three, uh, you know, niece or his one niece and his two nephews and teaches them to be Jedi. One of them becomes a master. Like, I mean, there's just so much that I can avenue off of that when i do reach somebody that didn't like it and it definitely had an impact you either did or did not like it or you find yourself like me where you're like there are things that you really did like and there are things that you really just didn't like and i think if you're in that middle boat it's a great opportunity to point the things you did like and for me that also allows me to transition people into legends like hey you might want to check this out it might be something you might enjoy so for me um asking how i i what how i reacted to tross um generally i don't like to harp on things i didn't enjoy because there's so much in star wars that is really great uh the last jedi for instance um was my favorite of the star wars movies i came out of that movie loving it and every time i've seen it um since i've loved it even more i did not have the same reaction with the rise of skywalker um i have never actually left a movie not a, a star wars movie not liking it until the rise of skywalker i did not like the movie when i came out of it and I actually i haven't seen it again since um i saw it on opening night and despite it being on disney plus and me owning the 4k and the blu-ray and the box set and everything i've never actually watched it again um nor have i watched solo again just because i don't have much time in my day usually but i've and mentally, I've started to come around on it. I, I wasn't a huge fan of Solo either, but I've come around on that mentally. Um, I, I think what needs to happen for me to come around on The Rise of Skywalker is they need to actually start tying into that movie more. And the books and the comics, even the ones that take place between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, don't tie into The Rise of Skywalker at all. Uh, nothing really leads into it. It feels like a random movie that doesn't have much tying it back to the previous movies or any of the material that comes before it. 
And I feel like once they start tying stuff into before it, and if um, I assume we'll get stuff after it, but they haven't made any mentions that they're going to do anything after it. Um, once they start doing that, I feel like I will have a much more enjoyable time with the story because I, I can see the ties in with the other stuff. See, for me, Rise of Skywalker was fun at the time. Uh, really enjoyed it, and I still really enjoy it. I think it may be my favorite of the sequel trilogy films. Uh, and this is where normally I would put in a joke about valedictorian of summer school or something. Um, but <laughs> it's hard for me to, to sort of decide whether that or uh, Last Jedi is the favorite. Last Jedi, from a color scheme perspective, for some reason, gets me um, in, in a negative way. But I really enjoyed sort of the the, the things that Ryan Johnson did that were unexpected that forced things to go in a little bit different direction for episode nine. But I think um, by and large, I really enjoyed it at the time. And I think the things that bugged me about it a little bit nag me more now. Like I really want more of an explanation for only this blade tells why the hell does the blade tell at all? Right. Um, that sort of thing. Uh, give us a little bit more background, but I think that's that's where you know Jim's going to some degree. Just the idea that there needs to be more stuff tying into it, more threads interweaving with it. Um, we've seen that with some of the other films, but oftentimes, just like we saw with those other films, they can't really tie much into it until the film is already out because they don't want to spoil anything. Well, now Rise of Skywalker is out. Where's the stuff to really? build upon it, connect with it, and so on. Hopefully they will do some more stuff and give us some more things that, you know, dive into the background of it and have, you know, meaningful things. The kind of stuff they could have done with, you know, Age of Resistance, but for the most part didn't. Um, give us a little bit more for that. But I still really enjoyed it. In fact, for me, I've watched it probably more than any of the other um, sequel trilogy films, and my enjoyment has not faded so much as the things that did bug me a little bit bug me more. I was hoping that the novelization would address many of those things. A lot of things were addressed in the novelization, but not everything. I actually have notes taken or stuff highlighted in the novelization that if I ever get the chance to actually get those notes coherent, I was hoping to someday do an audio commentary for Patreon specifically of Rise of Skywalker. Um, and maybe do other films at some point because I've done the other films, some of the other films in the past. I just haven't had the opportunity to actually sit down for, you know, almost three friggin' hours worth of recording to actually sit there and do an entire commentary on Rise of Skywalker. It was tough enough doing the Clone Wars movie, um, but that part of it was just sitting through, you know, the Clone Wars movie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's a film that's gotten, um, you know, it's gotten a bad rap in part. But uh, I still enjoy it at this point. Um, and I believe, uh, by the way, I think this is Ennis from uh, my Patreon, actually. So Ennis is one of the people who asks a lot of questions for the Patreon-exclusive Q&A videos that I've talked about previously. Um, so kind of nice. cool to see him jumping in here. As well. I'm assuming so. It's, it's, it's an unusually written A-N-A-S, pronounced Ennis. Um, and I can't imagine there's that many people listening to anything that I have to do with with that name. So right. I'm assuming this is that Ennis. So, hey, Ennis, and I, I assume I will be talking to you again soon. See, and and I, I liked how, you know, he he made it easy for me and Jim to read because he's like, it's like Dennis without the T. And that's how my mom describes her name because her name is Dennis. And it's basically spelt Dennis with an A. And everybody always like, isn't it Dennis? And like, no, no. I don't know why she never went by Danny, though, because like that one's easier to catch. Yeah. And <laughs> and Jim made it really easy for me to edit this episode because I was going to have to pull his whole Tross thing and everything out 
where he couldn't get the acronym, but then since he then referred to it as TROSS over and over again with no explanation, now the explanation of that flub needs to stay in the regular episode. As he said, his humor does not need to be moved. It's a <laughs> apparently. I, I infiltrate my humor in everything I do. You know, Jim, that makes you kind of like uh, Grandmaster Luke Skywalker, the immovable object. (laughs) There you go. All right. So next one comes from Dave Motters, uh, David Motters. Now, this is something that actually had the first part sent in April, which is sort of our cutoff. We didn't grab anything uh, pre-April. And this one was grabbed specifically because it has an addendum to it that was more recent. So we'll take a look here at what he said. But just bear in mind, it is essentially two pieces here. So starting out the original message, Mark, Nate, just wanted to write to ask you guys a question for your upcoming feedback episode. (laughs) This was April. Yeah, we finally are doing it. Um, Let me set the stage for this question. First, I acknowledge that I'm asking this question with benefit of hindsight. That's fine because I didn't want to ask you guys this question until the dust settled, so to speak, on the Skywalker saga. We've had time to watch Tross, the Rise of Skywalker, a few times and process it. Second, We all know there was not an overall plan in place for Episodes 7, 8, and 9. Kathleen Kennedy asked J.J. to direct Episode 7, and he initially declined. Apparently, once she asked him, who is Luke Skywalker, he agreed to come on board for one movie. Heck, in the newest documentary, The Skywalker Legacy, J.J. admits to dodging the proverbial bullet making The Force Awakens, and he can't believe he's back to direct another. It's as if he's saying, am I crazy? Why am I putting myself in this position again? We all know the controversy and fan division that followed Ryan Johnson and The Last Jedi. Third, and tied to number two above, I can't imagine the pressure in making and directing a Star Wars movie. Geez, even the maker, George Lucas himself, didn't want to make any more Star Wars movies after he did the prequel trilogy. Wasn't he asked if he would make any more and he responded, and I'm paraphrasing, quote, Why would I wish all the negativity aimed at the prequel trilogy? In my mind, why would any director in Hollywood want to direct a Star Wars movie with social media and the negativity out there? All this to ask my question. Should they have made this sequel trilogy? In my mind, I can make an argument for yes, and I can make an argument for no. But what do you guys think? As always, thank you for all you do in fandom. Star Wars Beyond the Films rocks, and may the Force be with you both. This was in April before Jim was around, so Jim, don't take offense. He then added the following shortly after that as an addendum. Uh, More recently, as I was announcing the retirement and everything. Addendum to my feedback episode email sent in April. I wanted to write in before the feedback episode to say congrats to you, Nate, for 18 years on Star Wars podcasting. I just finished the latest episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films, and to be honest, I felt a lot of emotions. As noted above, I feel happy for you for such a long run in podcasting. I felt sad for Mark, your incredible co-host on Beyond the Films, for Star Wars fans, listeners to your podcast over the years, and myself, and that we'll be missing your intellectual honesty and your insightful and fun insights for all things Star Wars. At the same time, I'm also excited for you, your wife, and son as you embark on a great time period in your life. As Mark said, he's gone through that period of time with his kids, as I have with mine. It's more important than anything in Star Wars. You and Mark have had such a positive impact on my Star Wars fandom. I had the good fortune of meeting Mark at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim in 2015 and you at Star Wars Celebration Orlando in 2017. Now to get both of you together with a bunch of us loyal listeners so we can geek out on Star Wars... Maybe a ride on Smuggler's Run where you and Mark pilot the Falcon or on the Rise of Resistance ride? That would be Star Wars heaven. Again, congrats, Nate. You truly are one of the few good guys out there. Loyal listener and beyonder, David Motters. David, it's always good to hear from you, my man. I feel bad for Mark, too. Just want to say. (laughs) 
Yeah, the loaded question in that is, should they have made the sequel trilogy? And man, there are, you know, as you yourself say, you can make an argument for and against. I, I, I'm going to stick with, yeah. I mean, there's a part of me that feels like, no, they shouldn't. They should have left that end of this, you know, the era just completely alone. Just like how some people were thinking, oh, well, Darth Plagueis could still fit in canon. Cause it has no, no, no. They had to make this. They had to do that separation. And if they could eventually continue Legends, that definitive hard line could have been just what we needed to free legends from being shackled to the canon story i mean you know when you're reading uh you know fate of the jedi and legacy of the force and, and you get to that point where ableth is there and they tie her into you know the the whole uh mortis arc like oh god that drove me nuts like do we really have to go there especially if you're going to try to exercise everything from the clone wars out of legends if you were to continue because i think that that would probably be the only way you could move forward with the gap there and the and the dissonance between the clone wars gendy stuff and all the dark horse clone wars stuff i think the only way you could do that is to pull that out now you have stuff that reference specifically that which makes that even a little harder to kind of blur those lines but i think that yeah if, if you if you had to do it that would be the best way to go about it i you know like i said i i wish they would have gone certain directions differently uh but it really comes down to now how they pick up the ball and play forward i mean if they don't do anything with ray's character after this that is the biggest shoot yourself in the foot moment you could have ever done you know you hear people going oh i bet the next game's gonna be a female lead and, and then the next book's gonna be a female lead and then we got the movie with the female lead and then to not take that female lead and run with her would be a complete stupid move i i i and i i don't think they're gonna go that way i mean they are so far they're not doing anything with her and i hope that's not gonna be the status quo because there is a lot of potential there for some really good storytelling and a good chance to you know bring some other elements from legends into the canon still i mean you know there was always these talks of palpatine and the first order and and, and this big threat outside the galaxy that could still be the vong or something different in a new form or, or light um that was always something that really shook up star wars for me that i really enjoyed and we could see something like that with Ray's era. You know, maybe it's Ray's new Jedi Order that has to be there to stand up to the darkness that comes in from outside of the galaxy. That would be a killer story. Um, you know, but but for me, it definitely comes back to I hope that by doing this trilogy, they were eventually able to give us more legend stories and and do it in a way that it's able to stand on its own because it it tried to stand on its own for so long. Uh, Lucasfilm would always tell you that it was all one universe. I mean, they really pushed that narrative on us hardcore, even though George was always open about it. Well, there's my universe and then there's the publishing one. I mean, you know, it was in our face the whole time. So I do feel like, yeah, they should have made it. Do I think that how they did it was the best? No, absolutely not. I think they could have done a lot better with that. Um, you know, and as Nathan and I have said before, Nathan was even saying in this episode, the idea of giving each director a ball and letting them do what they want is a horrible, horrible idea. And if they're talking about, well, we got to separate ourselves from can uh, the EU canon there because it, it, it ties our hands. Well, having each director go off in their own direction is the worst thing you could do to tie your hands because now you've got people taking things in different directions. When you have George Lucas saying there's no dark side force ghosts and then all of a sudden you're seeing them in, in things and showing up in other things like, well, that kind of like, where are we going here? If you don't have someone saying, no, that can't happen, then anything can happen. And eventually you're really going to tie your hands together. So addressing the the big question for me is so should they have made the sequel trilogy? And I think that mainly that's that's not a question that can be asked um they made it it's there we have to deal with it um and 
would they have made it? Yes, they were always going to make it. As Nathan said before, it, it comes down to money. Uh, and the, the the movies are their big money makers. It's where they get the most money. And that's you. They spent, what was it, three or four billion dollars on Star Wars. I don't remember the exact amount. And they they needed that money back. You can't just spend that amount of money and not expect to make it back. And so Disney was always going to make the movies once that happened. And so that's you can expect this to come out. Was it the best that it could have been? No, I think they see that now, or at least I hope they see that now. I hope they see where where they went wrong, um, specifically the fact that it is an incohesive um, series of movies and that um, from going on from here, I think this little break, especially with the, the coronavirus uh, kind of putting everything on hold, um, hopefully this will give them a little more time to kind of um, come up with a better plan than what they had before. And uh, as to getting everyone together, um, you will not get me on Smuggler's Run, as I've done that once. And uh, my a extreme motion sickness was in overdrive as my <laughs> daughter was the pilot. And as a, um, as a nine-year-old, all she did was take the joystick and go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I was the other pilot. I just reached over, grabbed her hands and told her to stop it. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, did, I, oh, I, I, I don't do well on Star Tours either, but um, one of the things like that the sequel trilogy gave us and I, like one of my favorite things is Galaxy's Edge. I absolutely love Galaxy's Edge. The Rise of the Resistance was an amazing ride. Um, I'm thankfully got the chance to actually go on it uh, back in January um, shortly after they had opened it. And so um, it, it, if having a couple of films that are not my favorites uh give me a fantastic experience that i can live in i i will i will gladly um put all put all my chips on the table and say go for it so first off uh it was awesome meeting uh dave down at celebration um i again i remember celebration much less for the events and more for the people we had a chance to meet um which was was awesome especially when we had the uh uh, I guess it was like a dinner get together thing hosted specifically for Star Wars Report uh, and the and the network of podcasts and stuff to be able to actually all kind of go eat together and everything. So um, it's kind of a a great experience there. I would say as far as you know, should they have made the sequel trilogy? I would say that again, films were inevitable once Disney purchased Star Wars, but I think films may have been a necessary evil even if. People didn't like where they went in the long run for Star Wars, whether or not Disney purchased Lucasfilm, because you think back, we had gotten to a point with the EU that, you know, there were time periods that were so crammed that, as I am fond of saying, the characters didn't even have time to go to the bathroom. Right. When in the time between A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back, did Han Solo ever have a time to go take a number two? He didn't. Right. They must have space depends or something. Um, even then, he would have to change his depends. So when did he have time to do that? Um, you also had this idea that most of the years post Return of the Jedi, at least, and many of the years uh, right around the prequels were chock full of stuff as well. It was to the point where if you really wanted Star Wars storytelling that wasn't treading, you know, the same ground over and over again, you had to either do something a little bit weird 
like say um, Agent of the Empire, I think is what it was called, um, whatever it was called, the, the, like James Bond type stories or whatever. Or you had to go far in the future, like Legacy. You had to go far in the past, like Dawn of the Jedi. There were plenty of unexplored eras or eras that could have been explored more. But you were at a point where the ability to actually tell a lot of stories using the film characters, there really wasn't a lot left to do. Uh, a lot of eras left in which to tell stories that mattered, especially when, even when there was a gap, there were so many things happening around it that might have mattered that the story in and of itself would have to not have mattered because it risked stepping on the toes of other stuff that had already been written in previous years. Part of the dangers of writing you know, chaotically, chronologically, where you're telling stories all over the place and filling in gaps rather than doing something that is, you know, being told in chronological order through publication order. But we got to that point where if Star Wars was willing to continue, either there would be a reboot at some point so they could circle back to the film characters to really do some meaningful stuff with them, possibly. Or we were going to see Star Wars become more and more a thing away from the films that probably had less draw on people who got into Star Wars because of the films, right? Like if you were just getting into Star Wars because you watched the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy and you jump into the books and the comics only to find that none of them at all are being written about those characters because those stories have already been told years ago, that could have slowed down Star Wars' ability to grow. And it would have stayed sort of a niche geekdom thing. Whereas with films... You know, launching some type of film, that's what the heart of Star Wars has been. It draws in more people or television series or anything else. It draws more eyes. It helps Star Wars grow. Um, so you got to kind of wonder if there hadn't been films, would they have reached a point where a reboot would have happened anyway? Only it would have been only in publishing and not been able to make Star Wars the cultural phenomenon again that it has sort of resurged into? Would it have been a better approach to have taken it probably would have been a more cohesive approach because they wouldn't have to worry about telling stories that mattered in the books and comics and not stepping on the toes of film and tv but i think that you know something was going to happen with star wars it couldn't have persisted the way that it was and reached a point of growth as opposed to dwindling returns and dwindling uh new fandom so something had to give i would say that the films were the most obvious thing to really recharge the saga uh, and bring in some new blood. So, and these new actors, for the most part, seem like they had a lot of fun with it. They seem like they're, you know, good people to follow in many cases, sort of good people to think of as role models in some cases. Um, so looking at that, that has also brought that to the, to the saga. Also, you got to remember that this is a generational thing. The, the generational thing that, you know, part of the reason why people said that, you know, the sequel trilogy were the first real Star Wars films since Return of the Jedi was because they didn't really like the feel of the prequels. Well, why? They grew up on the original trilogy. Sequel trilogy got a little bit more back to that feel than the prequels had. But then you have the kids that grew up with the prequels, or grew up with the Clone Wars, or now are growing up with the sequel trilogy. Every era has its primary way that kids are learning about Star Wars. Hell, my son may wind up being someone whose generation is defined by the Mandalorian, for all we know. Or whatever the next cartoon series turns out to be. Um... There needs to be some type of touchstone type of thing, generation to generation, to bring in new fans, but also to sort of be their touchstone in terms of what Star Wars is to them. And whether it was this sequel trilogy or just another sequel era type set of stories that maybe weren't designed as a sequel trilogy as episodes, you know, seven through nine, but maybe standalone stories or whatever, 
there would need to have been something. So um, am I happy with every twist and turn they made within these films? No. Do I wish there was a better plan? Absolutely. Uh, and a plan at all. But at the same time, I think that it was something that was needed for Star Wars to really keep it going. Otherwise, Star Wars sort of fades into the background. In a lot of ways, I feel it's kind of like Trek, but I got a feeling we got a Trek question coming up. And when I say I got a feeling, I know we actually do. So I'm going to hold it for there. (laughs) All right. Well, then our next one comes from Kenny Crowley Jr. Uh, Dear Star Wars Beyond the Films. Hello, Mark, Nathan and new host Jim. Star Wars canon since 2015 has been quite an interesting ride. Some ups, some downs, some really questionable moves made along the way. Before The Force Awakens, I was excited for the future of Star Wars. I was keeping up with all the new canon comics from Marvel and the novels from Del Rey and Disney Lucasfilm Press. After The Force Awakens, I loved the movie, but then I fell off with the new canon comics from Marvel and the novels from Del Rey and Lucasfilm Press. I can't really pinpoint why. Maybe it's because the story group did not have a plan for new canon, or after The Last Jedi, my hype for Star Wars was not there like it was prior, after I saw The Force Awakens. I did like The Rise of Skywalker. Some things work, and some things did not. I didn't hate the film, but the film could be better. The sequel trilogy, I thought some good ideas, but not the best story, especially The Last Jedi. Uh, Star Wars canon currently for me is about 50-50. Some stories from the books and comics are great, and then there's some that are not so good. Uh, The comics from Marvel took me a while to get into, but the ones I like are like Jason Aaron's Star Wars run, uh, Charles Soule's Darth Vader book, plus Dr. Aphra, both the first series and the new series, plus the current ongoing Star Wars titled set, uh, where it's set between post-Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. But the other Star Wars comics I did not like so much, as I am behind on most of the current comics. The novels have been hit or miss. My favorites are the ones by Claudia Gray, like uh, Lost Stars and Bloodline, the Leia novel. And I hope she writes more novels. She gets Star Wars and the history of the series. I find that most of the story group, aside from a few authors, don't understand how Star Wars looks, feels, and should sound like in terms of the writing of the new canon stuff. And that is sad for me as a fan. I mean, the people you hire to do the work writing-wise should know how Star Wars works. Also, Story Group from the get-go since 2015 has not had a plan for the books and comics from new canon. Hopefully that will change with the High Republic stories coming out down the line. But we'll see. The Story Group is going to have to create something really special to wow me as a Star Wars canon fan. I love both Legends and Canon, but to be honest, I do side with Mark when it comes to Legends. Just call it an alternate universe so you don't confuse fans between which universe of Legends and Canon it is. I still love Star Wars, but my hype is not as high as it used to be. Love the Mandalorian, the Clone Wars, though, and can't wait for more Star Wars Disney Plus shows. Anyways, keep up, Mark, Nathan, and Jim, and may the Force be with you always. Sincerely, longtime listener, Kenny Crowley Jr. from Ohio. Well, it's appropriate we hear from Kenny uh, on this episode. He's been a mainstay of our feedback episodes, um, addressing both of us over the years. Um, Yeah, I mean, Star Wars enthusiasm, a lot of it's going to have to come down to what stories are being told and how much they appeal to Star Wars and how well the authors get it. Um, We've had some authors that tell Star Wars stories that don't feel very Star Wars. Um, That said, we did have that also within Legends, and to a degree, you can argue that once you get to about the beginning of New Jedi Order, Star Wars really started to feel much more like sci-fi than sci-fi fantasy or fantasy set in a sci-fi universe. So I guess you could say that to some degree, there's a large chunk of Legends also that didn't really get what Lucas was doing with Star Wars. But I think, again, just like I said before, Filoni and Favreau get it. If Filoni and Favreau and their style can 
branch out and be sort of the guidepost for what Star Wars can be and how to tell a Star Wars story, I think that is something that could be great. Um, I really hope that it's not just a matter of taking people who have written before and saying, just do what you did before. Because in some cases it felt like Star Wars, in some cases it didn't. I really worry that the next Star Wars cartoon series, for instance, will have the same creative team behind it as Resistance instead of being a team that is influenced by Filoni Favreau um, quite a bit more. Um, we'll just have to see. High Republic, you know, I'm interested. I especially like the premise that we've seen. Uh, minor spoilers here, but apparently there's something about how like a, a ship going into hyperspace kind of did an accidental holdo maneuver and like exploded or something. And all these like bits of debris coming through hyperspace finally started to emerge from hyperspace and brought devastation to certain areas, and that's sort of the backdrop of the disaster that all this is taking place um, uh, in the aftermath of. That seems really kind of as a cool concept to me, and it ties into the Holdo Maneuver and Last Jedi and everything. So, and the ship traveled through time? Is that is that right? I don't know. That I don't know. I remember that from CrossCurrent. Yeah, I was just oh, CrossCurrent. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm uh, mixing getting up. The, my, yeah. Getting your ships confused? Um, but yeah, so I'm not really sure exactly how it all plays out, but that piqued my interest. I haven't had much interest in High Republic other than, oh, let's see if they can do this right. Or I guess <laughs> to put it another way, you know, they're going to screw that up. But, um, <laughs> instead to look at it and think, huh, that sounds like a pretty cool premise. Let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt and see where this goes. Um, so now I'm interested in that. I'm actually more interested in reading the High Republic stuff now than the stuff that's actually sitting on my Kindle that I've got. <laughs> that I can actually read, you know, now or as soon as I finish Blood of Elves, the first full-length Witcher book after having read the previous two prologue short story books. Yeah, with the High Republic, I'm interested to see, especially since it's kicking off with Charles um, Soule's, uh, oh, I forget the name of the book, but the the first one that he's coming, they're coming out with in January. Light of the Jedi? Yeah. Like that. I, I, I'm excited about that because he has been kind of batting a thousand so far with his comic series, and I'm uh, right. interested to see how that transfers over to um, novel writing as I'm not familiar with him outside of star Wars. So um, I think that will, I think that will be really fun and it is kind of a hit or miss depending on your authors. I would love to see more by the author of uh, rebel rising. Um, mm -hmm. Beth uh, Revis Revis. I'm not sure. Yeah, how you Revis. Pronounce it. Revis. Yeah. She, that, that book felt like a legends book brought into Canon. And yes, it I, did. I think more from her would be like kind of like legends within the new canon and i'd love to see more of that but like even authors that don't have great starts um kind of make up for it along the way um, I, i'm just interested in new stories i want new stories especially now that the movies are done let's let's start expanding or expanding slightly with the high republic jeez you could you couldn't move any closer to the original trilogy and still be outside of it than they're doing we're going way back no you're not <laughs> right see and, and that's where i'm at like I, i'm i'm excited for it but i'm already seeing yellow flags they're not quite red flags so like when nate says like i'm giving it the benefit of the doubt i feel like across the board that's all i ever do i'm just like i'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt here i'm gonna see where we go but i'm like 
that that was the first one. Only two hundred years back, that isn't a lot of time. Like he, you know, like Yoda's still kicking around. Chewie, we might see Chewie born at some point during this series if we go long enough. Uh, you know, so there's those type of things. And I was excited about the idea of the hyperspace thing. Like I had some ideas for that. Maybe that's probably why when I saw that opening chapter reveal that they gave out for Charles Scholl's book, where I was kind of like taken aback by that a little bit more. The the idea that the Holdo maneuver and we got these chunks of the ship coming out of and stuff, I immediately thought to Han, turning to Luke all pissed off, going, it's not like crap, Dustin. You know, we make a wrong calculation. We're all over the place. He, he might as well have been saying, we make the wrong calculation and we're going to cause an intergalactic incident. I mean, like, because now I'm like, okay, so if anybody screws up when they're jumping to hyperspace, well, this becomes something of a much more cataclysmic level. Whereas, like, originally I was thinking, like, it was going to be something that was going to knock hyperspace out or become, like, a barrier to hyperspace or they'd have to create a new technology to navigate through space because their original technology, because this cataclysm got, like, knocked out or something. Or at least this would maybe be something that explains why, like, only one chunk of the galaxy is explained explored later but not this side um but no we're going with something that can easily be replicated over and over and over and over again that could create an issue down there so that became something that i like kind of like spun out like i'm hoping that charles does a great job with it and all makes sense and it's going to be really exciting and stuff but at the same time i'm kind of like wow this almost sounds like chernobyl i guess like you know they just weren't paying attention and now we've got a disaster that's going to be god only knows how long this is going to go for um so i mean i mean i'm excited for the premise still because it does sound like we get somewhat to the old tales of the Jedi where we have the, uh, you know, the sector Jedi and the guardians that are, you know, they got their own sector. What were they watch keepers or something like that, man, we got to Jim, we got to reread that and uh, maybe do an episode on that at some point down the future. Cause you know, now that we got the high Republic coming, it'd be a, a nice little comparison thing, but that's the other thing too, about the whole, the back in time thing. You know, you think about what they did with legends and when that was originally placed, like, I think they only said it was like 5,000 years in the past. And then they retconned it and retconned it again until eventually it was like 25,000 years in the past. And, you know, I, that's one of those lessons that, to me, story groups should be paying attention to. Well, we didn't go back far enough the first time, and it created a couple little issues for us. So, I, I to me, I'm just like, hmm, I don't know. I'm trying to be giving them the benefit of the doubt, but I'm also like, man, I'm seeing a lot of warnings already. I hope you guys are paying attention on the uh, creative side of things. Uh, but it does excite me that out of all the projects so far, this one feels the most like how the authors and the creatives tackled the new Jedi order. So I've got a lot of high hopes in that regard for the high Republic. May I say two things? One, um, it's funny though, because we, we like, everybody talks about how solo made Han less of a rogue and more approachable, like the whole, you know, I know who you truly are. You're the good guy and all that, you know, and how he he never was as bad as people made him out to be. But now we've got traveling through hyperspace, ain't like Dustin Cromp's boy, if you, you know, miscalculate or whatever, you might bounce too close to a star or crashes, supernova or whatever the heck it is that he says. Um, now it's basically him talking about something that could be a galactic cataclysm and he's worried about his own ass, you know? <laughs> you know, not... Don't miscalculate your hyperspace jump because you could cause devastations. Don't miscalculate your hyperspace jump because you could die. Right? It's it's very much that sort of uh, you know much more selfish Han thing now, I guess. But I, I will say that for when I talk about how I give the benefit of the doubt, I try to give the benefit of the doubt to most of these stories. I gave the benefit of the doubt to the uh, age of stuff, and. I think this goes back to, 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 to put this into an educational frame. We have this thing called growth mindset. It's the idea 
that basically, you know, just like your brain is kind of like a muscle, even though it's not actually a muscle, it, it has the ability to grow and change and form new connection, and everything as you learn stuff. So the process of learning itself can help you get stronger in a particular thing that just because you don't understand something now doesn't mean you won't understand it later. So a lot of our language that we do with our with where I work is a lot of language couched in, you know, um, if a student fails a project, is they is that you haven't passed it yet, you haven't shown the mastery yet, I know you're going to get there, so let's take a look at what we can shore up and let me know if you have any questions and stuff like that. It's always in this positive mode. But you get to a point in the semester where the positive mode feels a little bit almost disingenuous, but you keep trying to stay positive. Like I had a student last semester who completed one activity in the entire course all semester. He did basically nothing. And yet I was still required to call him every single week to provide support. And the support was always let me know what I can do and letting him know how many items he would need to hit each day or each week between then and the end of the semester to actually finish the course. And it got to the point where the last calls were like, okay, we're in the last week. You have about 170 items to complete. That's going to be you know, divide that up by five or by seven or whatever it was, this much per day. And even then it becomes, you know, get a chance to talk to your counselor. Let's figure out, you know, what to do next and that sort of thing. Because, you know, this is the plan. You could maybe pull it off if you worked almost 24 hours a day, but it's not really going to happen. And I kind of feel like that's where we are a lot of times with this stuff. I mean, it's been since 2014 with the launch of the reboot, 2015 with the comics from Marvel. And here we are in 2020, still having to say, I've got the, you know, trying to give you the benefit of the doubt that this one will go well, and this one will matter when all these other stories didn't. I kind of feel like we're in that last stage where the kid's only done one assignment all semester, and we're a week out from the end. And we can keep <laughs> trying to be as positive as we can, as growth mindset as we can, as encouraging to Lucasfilm to do right by Star Wars as we can. But to some point underneath, you realize that it may be a lost cause and we need to be looking for other alternative venues, whether it's bringing back legends or more films or more television, because maybe the people doing the publications in many respects, but not everyone, just don't quite get it. And because they haven't planned now, they haven't planned in the past, now they're at a point where maybe it's too little too late to expect more. I would hope not. I would hope that there's a point at which, you know, things can become more meaningful within those books now that the the sequel trilogy is done and they've got a, you know, at least a couple of years without films, but I don't know. I really don't, but it feels like I every time I say I've got the benefit of the doubt for a particular new Star Wars thing like High Republic, I feel like we're in the last few weeks of school with the kids who haven't done anything. <laughs> that works. <laughs> All right. Jim, take us into our last one, which is really an oddball compared to all these other ones, but it did come in recently, so we want to make sure to address it. All right. This is from David Schrock. He says, hey, Mark, Nate, and Jim, this is my first time writing a feedback, mostly non-Star Wars questions, if that's okay with you guys. Uh, I guess if we're reading it, then yes, it's okay. Um, We give it a thumbs up. (laughs) Jim, have you watched every iteration of Star Trek? What's your guys' favorite Star Trek movie? My favorite is Into Darkness. I know everyone hates Into Darkness. What Star Trek podcasts do you guys listen to? I remember one of you mentioned Literary Treks, which is on my list. The Star Trek podcasts I listen to are The Delta Quadrant, covers Voyager, Upper Pylon 2, covers DS9, and Hailing Frequencies, started from the mid-2000s, which covers Star Trek video games. 
Last question. Have you guys watched any of these sci-fi TV shows? X-Files, Farscape, Stargate SG-1, Stargate Atlantis, and Stargate Universe. Thought I'd keep this feedback short and sweet. Keep up the good work. David Schrock. Also, have you guys ever take a cat out to the beach? Do I get to respond first? Is that uh, yeah? We'll, we'll right. let you go first, just since uh, <laughs> he threw the whole every iteration of Trek your way, like because I, I think have, he knows my answer. <laughs> I have not watched every iteration of Star Trek, but I actually own almost every iteration of Star Trek. I mm-hmm. um, I collect uh collect because I'm a nuts ball collector. Uh, collect most of the TV series. And so I've watched all of the 90s TV series. Um, I grew up on The Next Generation. I've watched all of that. And then when I was writing my dissertation, I actually had Star Trek on in the background. I worked my way through uh, what I had not seen of Deep Space Nine and Voyager and Enterprise um, eventually. And currently, uh, literally currently, as it's in my uh, DVD player at the moment, uh, I'm watching the original Star Trek series that I've never actually seen. But I have not seen the cartoon uh, Star Trek, nor have I made it to Discovery and Picard yet. But I do own uh, the two seasons of Discovery that have come out on uh, um, Blu-ray that are sitting right here. And I, I'll tell you, Star Trek has felt like my secret shame the last couple of years. Um, I, I've always been open that, you know, that was one of my first uh, sci-fi anythings. My dad was a big Trek fan. Um, so when he was working graveyards, I was the guy that had to record out the commercial breaks. Got really good at that. So when dad watched it, he never had to deal with a commercial break because I took care of it. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I was always watching them. Um, but again, I grew up with no power. So, you know, we were getting the one time a day when the generator was running and we'd have to make sure that the two stations that we got, that the antenna was pointing just right so you could see most of the imagery and you could hear it because my dad would actually rather hear the episode than see the episode. So if I could get the sound better than the, the snow quality of the screen, he would take that versus having more, you know, Riker time unless I can hear him. So I had to fight that thing. So I got to know the next generation really well. Um, you know, the, the first season of the original star trek i i came that was when we got to cable and i got to watch it more on syndicate right i mean i caught a couple episodes here and there every now and again when i was up at my grandma's house because at our house we only used the generator mostly at night right it was uh, kerosene lamps and stuff like that but as things went on and stuff you know we moved into a town and i started watching all the stuff i watched every episode of voyager every episode of next generation uh, every episode of uh, deep space nine deep space nine has been my favorite star trek up until recently uh when they did the all access i was late to that game i didn't want to jump right on so i waited till picard came out did that buy a month kind of thing and get it free right so i did that binge watched the hell out of it so much so that we kept cbs all access because i really love discovery uh um, Discovery may have edged Deep Space Nine out as my favorite Trek series of all time right now. I am really loving that show. So, Jim, like, I, I look forward to hearing when you get to that because it was pretty good. Um, you know, you mentioned that uh, Into Darkness was your favorite one and a lot of people hate it. I like that one. I, re- I honestly thought that the way J.J. did the reboot worked really well. Um, it, it wasn't my favorite of all the movies, but of that generation, I, I think it's probably my favorite. It's one of the stronger ones. For me, First Contact will always be my favorite because I'm a big fan of the Borg. Uh, and I love the the look of the Enterprise E and the way, like, there were so many great lines in that one. And the, the, the way that one feels, the edginess and stuff. And then when they go to Earth and they're talking to Crockerin, there's great lines that I still use to this day. Time? We don't have time. We don't got the time. And, you know, it's just stuff like that that I love. Um, 
when it comes to other sci-fi shows, I there are ones that I've caught. I've watched X Files, but not enough that like I, you could say that I was a fan of it. I just it was on, and every now and again I catch an episode. Farscape. Nate sent me some of those on uh, DVD, and so I've been I've been watching that. I haven't got too far. I'm still in season one. Um, Stargate. Loved the movie. Uh, watched some of the episodes of the show, but I wasn't able to get into it. But I have a lot of friends that tell me the show is awesome and I should really give it a shot. But I just haven't had a chance to sit down and really do it. And I mean, that's that's also been part of what slows me down with the books. Because when I was watching Discovery a lot, I wasn't reading during my my downtime. You know, like, I mean, I'm doing a lot of stuff with scouts and family and stuff. So outside of when I'm I'm doing those activities, I don't have a lot of extra free time. If it's, you know, cleaning the house or the garage or stuff, all of a sudden it's I got to go to bed and I got to go back to work. So when I was binging that, I really had no time for anything else, which makes going out and, and branching into these older shows a lot harder for me to do. Um, I do remember catching a couple episodes of the animated cartoon show at my friend's house when we went to McVinville and they had cable and stuff. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Uh, but that was it. I think I saw maybe two episodes of that. And then of course, you know, uh, the, the best one here. No, I've never taken a cat to the beach. In fact, I've never even taken my dogs to the beach. Um, I've taken my kids and myself and my wife and that's about it. I'm allergic to cats. So you're not finding me and a cat together. Um, normally, uh, ever, uh, unless it's against my will. And then I'm in a very, um, uncomfortable place. You're in a conundrum. I am, but I, I agree. I, uh, I'd say uh, first contact is my favorite, uh, Star Trek movie as well. Um, mostly again, cause I'm a, uh, next generation guy. I grew up on next generation. It's easily my favorite, uh, Q's the best character ever. Um, mm-hmm. and of the sci-fi series is that you listed. I've actually never watched any of them. I watched a little bit of SG one, but that's about it. Um, I guess I'm not a super hardcore sci-fi person, um, but uh, I, I, I've been tending towards a lot of the uh, the DC CW shows lately, and that right. I get about one hour of television that I watch a day, um, and so I, I need to. I most of my time is catching up on shows from the year. Right. See, I, I liked the the remake of Battlestar Galactica. Loved the hell out of that. I uh, when we started doing those new shows and stuff, I got into the Expanse. Love that. Blazed through that. Caught up on that. And I just caught Another Life on Netflix and just finished uh, season one of that. That looks like it's got some promise. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm definitely a fan of sci-fi and fantasy stuff in general. So I mean. You know, it's not outside the realm of me to catch some of these things. Uh, Serenity and Firefly, absolutely love that show to death. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff out there outside of Star Wars. But Star Wars has always been such a big galaxy, though, that it definitely takes up a lot of your time if you're committed to learning about it. It kind of sucks the oxygen out of the room or out of the airlock, (laughs) so to speak. Um, Let's see. So uh, kind of addressing this same questions. um, I actually have watched every iteration of Trek now. Uh, You may recall if you listen to the show that – um, a couple of years ago, I think it was pre-Cade, uh, I did a massive rewatch that was basically uh, chronological, literally chronological using the star dates and everything, um, thanks to the Star Trek chronology and the encyclopedias and everything. And I went through, um, you know, I went through uh, Enterprise, I went through the original series, the animated series, and the films tied into them, eventually into all the 24th century stuff, uh, all the way through finally seeing the endings that I had never seen before for both Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Uh, Then, of course, the other films with those going back then. uh, That was right around the time that Discovery was about to launch, so got into Discovery. Really, really enjoying Discovery. The first two seasons feel very different. 
But I love Discovery. I'm really glad to see uh, Anson Mount get a Pike series of his own, which is really cool. Uh, and the fact that I guess they're still doing um, another spinoff series uh, that's sort of like the darker side of things, uh, the, the secret agent kind of side of things. Um, and actually really enjoyed Picard. Uh, my wife, every time we turn on Picard, always shocked somehow that Patrick Stewart is still alive. But um, yes, we watched all of Picard, enjoyed that, uh, like how that picked up from where the other films left off. And it sort of was Star Wars adapting to the era in which we're in, which in a lot of ways is what Discovery right. was too. But Discovery, of course, was something that took place in an era you know, just prior to something we'd already seen. So there's all those, well, wait a second, why do they have this technology? Why does it look like this kind of stuff, as opposed to just going with it? Whereas with Picard, it's the furthest thing we were seeing. So it didn't have as much of that, and it really felt like it was jumping off from where we saw the timelines diverge, you know, in the Trek 2009 film, which actually is probably either that one or Into Darkness, probably are my favorite Trek movies. What was it, Nemesis? Is that the one you're talking about? That what? That you liked the one uh, that was like Picard where it left off. We're talking Nemesis, right? Where uh, David no, no, no. no, so with Picard, um, what I liked about Picard was that it jumped off basically from where we last saw the timeline, right? So the, the whole idea of the refugee effort was because of the destruction of Romulus, which was the dividing point where, you know, Nero and Spock wind up going back in time to create the Kelvin timeline, and yet this prime timeline kept going, and that's where we run into Picard. So it was kind of cool to oh, see yeah. that. Um, but to me, I, I think actually the newer films, uh, not necessarily as much Star Trek Beyond, but the previous two, really were the ones that were the most fun movies for me, the ones that I'll rewatch the most. If I had to go back to any of the uh, films for the Next Generation cast, it would definitely be First Contact. It's the one that I watched the most times. If I went back to the original crew films, probably the one that I've seen the most and probably enjoy the most because I've seen it the most is probably Undiscovered Country. Search the for first Spock one. for me. Undiscovered Country was the first one I ever saw in a theater, I think, um, mm -hmm. for Trek. Um, let's see. Beyond that, let's see. Um, so favorite Trek movie, uh, Trek podcasts. I have. I don't think I've ever listened to a Star Trek podcast and still don't. My podcast feed is pretty um, – I mean, you can tell where my interest lies as a teacher because my podcast feed right now is Fox News Sunday, State of the Union with Jake Tapper, This Week with George Stephanopoulos, NBC's Meet the <laughs> Press, What Trump Can Teach Us About Con Law, The Rachel Maddow <laughs> Show, Cuomo Primetime, CNN Town Halls and Debates, Silence is Not an Option um, with uh, Don Lemon, The Chuck Todd Cast, and American Elections Wicked Game. Damn, son. That is my current <laughs> podcast playlist. It's all politics. Uh, I wish there were more. Um, actually, I wish my my podcast listing had a little bit more of the right leaning stuff rather than the center to left stuff. But I found that most of the right leaning podcasts I was listening to have gotten off the rails. So now I'm kind of waiting post Trump to jump back into them a little bit more. Um, but that's kind of been my thing. I usually don't listen to entertainment based stuff as my podcast escapism. Even when I'm listening to just, you know, like serious satellite radio, I'm not listening to music. I'm listening to POTUS, which is the aforementioned Michael Smirkanish, um, Chris Cromo's Let's Get After It, um, Dan Abrams show, um, Press Pool with Julie Mason. I mean, basically until you get to about six o'clock, I can listen to POTUS all day and be entertained, but it's all, you know, political stuff, current event type stuff. Um, those other shows though, I was a fan of X-Files until... 
around, I guess, season five or six, um, X-Files was one of those shows that was building a mythology that was sort of like building to something. But every time they had to extend it out for another year because the show got renewed, the plot got less coherent. And it just felt like they were stretching it out more and more and just kind of stringing you along rather than ever giving you answers. So I said, F it. I want to say it was the year that, was it David Duchovny left for a year? Or was it Gillian Anderson who left? Somebody, it was like the year that Robert Patrick was in there all of a sudden. Um, And and whatnot, where it just didn't feel like the same show anymore. Like, you know what? We're not going to get answers. Forget it. You know, oh, there's new answers coming in the first X-Files movie. Bullcrap. No, there wasn't. Never mind. I'm done. Um, (laughs) Then, uh... Uh, SG-1, though, all the Stargate stuff I really enjoyed. I haven't seen whatever this new one is that I think was like streaming only or a specific streaming service only or whatever. But um, the film and then SG-1 and its spinoff movies and Stargate Atlantis and Stargate Universe, all stuff that I watched and enjoyed. um, Did a massive chronological marathon of all that at one point as well before uh, eventually selling off all the... Uh, the DVDs that I had. Uh, Farscape was one that definitely has a special place in my heart. It's one that I've got on Blu-ray now. I am really enjoy going back and re-watching it. It's one that I quote constantly, um, even when people don't realize that that's what I'm quoting. You know, like, do I have your attention now? Nobody knows that that's friggin' John Crichton. <laughs> you know, uh, unless it's stuff like, you know, I have two eyes, they're 20-20, and they're blue, or whatever it is that he says. Mine are brown. It's okay, because I'm full of whatever. Um... But Farscape, yeah, Farscape is always going to be one of those shows sci-fi-wise that I can go back to and rewatch over and over again and enjoy every single time I watch it. Actually, the show that I'm really looking forward to rewatching that I only actually just recently finished watching, fairly recently, that is coming on Blu-ray sometime in the fairly near future, I forget exactly when, but it's sometime in the next few months, is 12 Monkeys. If you like sci-fi that does time travel... The 12 Monkeys TV series, not the movie with Bruce Willis and and, uh, Brad Pitt, which was all right, but the television series of 12 Monkeys is the most intricately planned, well-executed, woven-together time travel television series of any kind I've ever seen, and that's after being someone who watched Continuum. It is outstanding. It is dark as hell, but it is outstanding if you're into sci-fi time travel stuff, so I'd highly, highly recommend that one but yeah um sci-fi is definitely my bag but i've never thought of star wars as sci-fi really even when they were into like new jedi order type stuff star wars has always felt like its own beast to me just like the mcu the the mcu stuff doesn't feel like it's sci-fi even though technically i guess it is um i just enjoy it for what it is because it's this fun you know superhero romp whereas star wars is the fun space fantasy kind of romp um i don't Mm -hmm. tend to lump them together even with stuff like mandalorian that's now television series i don't tend to lump it in with stuff like Farscape, X-Files, Stargate, Babylon 5, one of my other favorites that I can watch over and over and over again, primarily because of Jakar and Londo, long live Londo Malari. Uh, I actually have a reference to him in my second edition of a saga on home video. Um, uh, the beginning section when we first introduce uh, 4K Ultra HD Blu-rays is, in 4K, I am stunning, which is his whole, in purple, I'm stunning. Um, so... <laughs> Huge fan of that kind of stuff. But Star Wars just has always felt a little different to me. It's always felt like kind of its own thing. And I guess that's sort of what George Lucas was aiming for when he said he's trying to make a modern myth or modern fantasy for kids rather than making like the standard sci-fi stuff, I suppose. Right. You know, the one thing I forgot was uh, podcast for me. When I get time, it's literary treks. You know, my my good co-host from uh, Star Wars Report, Bruce Gibson. That's one of his shows. So, you know, give support to uh, the crew. Got to do. Yeah, my uh, my podcast listening is mostly actually uh, I don't listen to musical that much. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, like I mentioned before. 
Um, and then I kind of mix it up with some podcasts, but I don't listen to actually very many podcasts. Um, I'm looking on my, my list right now. I only listen to eight podcasts, two of which I'm on. Um, two are paleontology related because I am a paleontologist. Um, then two other Star Wars ones and a Disney Parks one and a random geek news one. That's, that's about it. I can respect that. All right. Well, Nate, any, uh, hard to say any parting <laughs> words before we uh, hit the closing um i guess so um again my thanks to all of you who've listened over the years whether it's just been on beyond the films or recently with beyond the films in cloud city casino or if you know you're one of the old folks who've been around since you know eu review or but learniverse or fan audio made easy fan audio news source uh, other voices or all the way back to chrono radio um, I appreciate the support over the years. Um, it really has, in many ways, kept my fandom going. Um, when I've gone through tough times myself, um, it's certainly been something that buoyed me up, um, whether it was the timeline uh, and the community around that and sort of the, the interest in the idea of chronology or it was the discussion coming through the podcast. I really appreciate how certain things have managed to sort of take on a life of their own, whether it's the Stover effect or alt-legends terminology um, that's not Leia, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> the fact that some of this stuff has carried on, but especially I really appreciate how this community around the show has embraced the intellectual honesty thing. Um, as a teacher, as someone who's interested in history, that's an incredibly important thing to me. And to find that that found a home on the show where it was accepted and even lauded um, was was very uplifting to be able to see that in this fandom especially as fandoms kept spiraling and spiraling into the mess that it has become and the divisiveness that is out there that there were those who were willing to embrace that idea and try to keep things positive as much as possible to recognize that there's good in all things bad in all things and to try to take an intellectually honest approach to things without diving into nothing but hyperbole diving into nothing but emotional attacks on each other um, so that at least within this little corner of fandom, things have stayed positive, even when we've had critical th things to say about, you know, the books or a particular film or whatever it might have been at that particular point. That's been uh, very uplifting. And I will forever appreciate the opportunities this has provided as well. Um, things like being able to write for Star Wars Tales would not have happened had it not been for me getting into podcasting, um, which led into other things like being able to write for Wars or writing for 10,000 Dawns or getting a chance to write for those anthologies for Sequart. Um, a lot of the writing that I do, pretty much all the writing that I do, um, all comes out of either the confidence or the recognition that came after writing, which only came because of of being able to, to get things out there with Chrono Radio early on. Um, I'm glad so many have stuck around and so many have taken the time to sort of pop up and say hello here in these last you know months. Um, I do hope that everybody will still continue to try to catch my stuff when they can, uh, either on YouTube with from the Star Wars Home Video Library and stuff like that, or uh, even on Patreon if someone's really inclined to jump in and sort of support things from a financial standpoint and get some extra content. Um, hopefully you'll check out the second edition of A Saga on Home Video. I'm busting my butt working on that thing. Um, so that hopefully it's out later this year or early next year. Hundreds and hundreds of pictures, 500 plus pages. It's really been sort of a labor of love that hopefully will continue not to feel like work when I'm working on it. 
Um, but in essence, that's kind of what the podcasting has been. You know, editing sometimes feels like work, but doing the podcast and having the conversations has never felt like it was a work. It was always an escape, even if it's creating something. So uh, um, it's been great. Uh, I, I will miss the the frequent communications with the folks um, who have been fans of this show. Um, I will definitely miss the conversations uh, in this form, at least regularly uh, with Mark, though I'm sure I'll pop up from time to time, you know, uh, when some more banter and butlerness is called for, whatever that is. Um, and uh, it's, it's funny because I think back to uh, uh, the thing stuck in my head ever since I said I was going to retire. And I didn't think about it initially until Mark referred to the possible title of this show as being um, The Butler Retires or something along those lines. And I remember to my favorite TV butler, not Benson, Jeffrey. Right on Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and oh. we're really, really early on, where uh, Jeffrey says, "Well, I guess if you don't need me anymore, I shall retire." He's going to bed that night. Mm-hmm. To which Will Smith says, "Man, he took that hard, <laughs> right? As if he's going to, you know, <laughs> retire." Um, and, and it's kind of the thing, you know. I'm retiring. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still going to be within fandom. This is just something where. The logistics of it made it more difficult, and I had to sort of figure out what was better for me, better for my family, and hopefully better for you all to be able to get more episodes more often uh, now that Jim will be stepping into my slot here so that Star Wars Beyond the Films will live on uh, and have someone here that, like I said, I, I very much trust to be able to uh, uh, to continue in my place and keep this thing going. So uh, you may I'll not keep, hear me in I'll my... keep your seat warm for you. Lots of gas. Taco Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> In any event, and, and fart humor is okay. We learned that from Phantom Menace. Um, so, yeah, uh, so thank you to all of you. Um, uh, you'll be hearing more from me, I'm sure, um, just not necessarily regularly as a podcast host uh, as I you know, continue embarking on this life of raising a toddler into a little human, which is, um, you know, as, as I'm sure these two guys can attest, um, having gone through this previously, um, is definitely the most surprising adventure um that uh, has happened in my life thus far um mm-hmm. which i'm only entering into as i am 40 so <laughs> uh, i look forward to being geriatric by the time he's out of college um but thank you all i really appreciate it uh, may the force be with you all and do everything you can as i know you will to keep up the intellectual honesty and to remember that 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 as we said before, the whole thing about, you know, as Glenn Beck once said about sort of we surround them, that the negativity out there, it's loud. It can be a thing that destroys your fandom, to pull you down, to make you feel like you are alone. That is not what it is. That is not what fandom really is. That's the darker side of fandom. That's the sheen on fandom. It's the loud part. It's the squeaky wheel that gets the grease and it gets all the attention where people do Snapchat pictures of some crap of the grease because it's social media. <laughs> what fandom really is, is what you carry with you. It's the camaraderie. It's knowing that you can make a Star Wars joke and others will laugh and you immediately have that rapport that you didn't realize you had with that person. Um, it's being willing to engage in something that is escapism and not take it so seriously that you stress yourself out, but at the same time, take it seriously enough that the love of it can grow and it doesn't feel frivolous all the time. And it can be that escape when things get rough. So hang on to that. Um, I know this show certainly will. 
Um, but in the years to come, whatever becomes of Star Wars, remember that you are all part of our family. And nothing will change that, regardless of what happens within the fandom out there, and regardless of where Star Wars goes from here. They say Star Wars is forever in the old advertisements. This fandom and this community, that's what's forever. Maybe the films are too. Mm -hmm. Amen to that, brother. I will appreciate all the time we have spent building this show. I appreciate everything that you have provided when it comes to the intellectually honest side of things. That is a word that will always ring in my head. Anytime I start to think about what could be, and I start to open my mouth about things because am I being intellectually honest? Sometimes I have to check myself and uh, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun and I do look forward to when you come back on. And if the last two years are any indication, I mean, the listeners may still be listening to you at the same regular rate. <laughs> Even though me and Jim may be putting out more episodes, I mean, there for a while we were kind of slow. So even if we only have you on once or twice a, a year, like that might be about what we were doing in the last uh, 2019, 2018. Yeah. Pretty much. We did just finish up our uh, year in review for 2019 in June. So. Uh, and I think we were about the same pace last year. Like it was... <laughs> But, you know, like, like we say, you know, family comes first and that's what's important. And, uh, you know, I, I truly believe in the bottom of my heart that at some point you're going to have a lot of time on your hands. And hopefully there'll be some Star Wars out there that you just like itching to talk about. And we'll bring you on for uh, more episodes, not just maybe even as a guest host. Maybe we can get you back on full time down the road. Um, you know, I'm always the ever optimist. So I'm looking forward to when we do get you back on hearing you uh, update the listeners that haven't been following you. Shame on you guys. You should be following him on every uh, platform he has because he's got a lot to tell you. But we'll have that option for you. And I like that idea. I, I just wanted to say to th- thank you for everything that you've done and letting me come in in your in your stead to kind of car- carry on your legacy, I guess, uh, would be the, the, the best thing. And I know um, you've left big shoes to fill, but I have big feet, um, so it's OK. <laughs> and um, I know I, I have a tendency to not take things very seriously, and that's just kind of how the way that I, I handle things in, in the world. So I, just because I'm taking things not seriously does not mean that they're not serious issues. And I, I greatly appreciate all you've done, and uh, I greatly appreciate the conversations that we've had. Uh, just kind of on a sidebar, we've been uh, chatting probably close to 15 years now. Uh, I don't remember exactly when we first started talking, and... Um, this is, a, this is a big deal for me being asked to join on here, and uh, I, I greatly appreciate uh, all the faith that you guys have placed in me. Um, and I have come to realize that during this podcast that I'm the young one, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, how old are you, Jim? Like Now that you point that out, I, I thought you were me and Nate's age. <laughs> uh, wait, how old are you, Mark? I, I'm 41. Just turned. All right, I am the young one. I just uh, I turned 39 back in March. Oh, nice. So we're in the same era of age. Just, yeah. Okay. I, I I had that feeling like like from our talk at celebration that like we were very close to the same age. And, I, and that is definitely one of the things that I always appreciated about Nate was like, you know, Nate's life was so vastly different from mine, and yet we were at the same, you know, uh, a game level of life, <laughs> and we had a lot of the same you know point of views. So I'm looking forward to you and I getting into that same boat, which is part of why we left the Star Trek question in there because it's like I'm I'm curious to see what Jim's still gonna 
answer to this too. Uh, and that's also one of the fun things about our feedback episodes. And we get to hear from you listeners and stuff like it helps us get to know each other better. And I mean, that is one of the things that I will always cherish on my time with the show is getting to know Nathan on a level that very few people have got to do. I mean, when, when we launched this show, you know, Nate, I've said it many times, you know, you were the, you were the fan that became the VIP on the forum boards, man. That was big. <laughs> so to, to be able to do a show with you is always something that, that is definitely on my shelf of really cool fan accomplishments. And uh, so, you know, to have the show continue on after you have decided to, uh, you know, move on with life, I think that's a testament to something that we've created. And I, I look forward to, you know, keeping that shiny, you know, not letting it fall into disrepair. So with that, uh, salute to you one more time, my man. And with that, we're going to bring it to a wrap. That about wraps up this episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films. We'd like to thank you all once again for hanging around with us as we ponder on sharing our fandom, saying goodbye to our beloved friend and brother. Remember, you can always listen to our episodes streaming online on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes are also available on Zoom, Stitcher, Spotify, and on iTunes, which we encourage you to leave us a review while you're at it. You can also find links to our episodes on both our Twitter and Facebook pages at SWBeyondFilms, or just type in Star Wars Beyond the Films in the search bar. Even no matter how you get there, be sure to like our Facebook page. It is the best way to interact with us. It's our home one, if you will. Not only can you post comments to us about the show, we love interacting with you fellow fans. If you guys have any Star Wars Legends questions or any other questions, or if you just want to comment about an episode, fire off, you can always email us directly at SWBeyondFilms at StarWarsFanWorks.com. Now, lastly, before we go, we do want to mention our Audible trial. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash Star Wars Report, you get a free trial run of Audible.com to see what they're all about. Our sponsors have more than 100,000 titles. You can explore the Star Wars universe, the Expanded universe, the Harry Potter universe, or maybe even the Halo universe. But any genre out there, you can do it without risk of being stuck with the book you flat out hate because as an Audible member, you can exchange any book within 12 months with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making that switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So once again, for Stars Beyond the Films, this has been Mark and Whistler. Nathan and Jim saying thanks for listening and may the force be with you and don't put us the odds that Jim will have any easier time coming up with these parts than I did <laughs> I got nothing <laughs> and that is about right right <laughs> pretty much uh, pretty much